0: And good morning. It is a Friday edition. I sound crisp today. Ooh. Crisp and loud. Crispy. Crispy. <laughs> I don't know if uh, that's the headphones or how we're looking levels Maybe I just got you a little high. Yeah. That might be. Got I, don't, a little. I don't
1: know. You know Paul, so Paul likes it high. He always He's like, You're, I'm too low, I'm too low. So I always turn him super high up. You ever tell him to, up, to check but, uh, his headphones? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, could be part of the problem. That could problem. be the issue.
0: I feel like, yeah, we do need you in front of the microphone stand. <laughs> <laughs> that would work out better. We could just have Stan yell from the other side yeah, of the room work. for that the entirety would, of the morning. Good morning. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I, of course, am Glenn Clark. The other voice you just heard in for Griffin the day is Zach Goodman from the Bat Around. Uh, you hear him every Saturday morning talking baseball with Paul Valley. And it is a Friday, so of course our chief grand poobah here at Press Box, Stan the Fan Charles, is back in studio with us. Good morning, sir.
2: Am I on camera? uh you are on camera i assume okay, so good. yeah you are on camera <laughs> thank you all right what a discombobulating start to my Stan's day. had a
0: tough day he's had a tough day so far he forgot his phone he his, his computer he forgot his pants i mean it was just a tough tough day for stan
2: well no i but wore my underpants on the outside
0: <laughs> well, i just thought that was yeah. a new fashion statement yep. that you were trying to make it's good to see you though i am glad that you're here with us on a friday edition of the show is always it's good to be friend. here and you good got your be. powdered donuts so it's It can only be so bad
2: today. That's (laughs) true.
0: Right? That's true. Like We always know we can judge a Friday show by whether or not Stan got his powdered donut ahead of time, and he got it today. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today lot to do on the program today. Coming up in about two 28 minutes, Darren O'Day. You, of course, remember him. A uh, big part of the Orioles' success in the last decade. Earlier this week, Darren uh, announced his retirement from Major League Baseball. Dude got the pitch until he was 40 years old, which is pretty remarkable. Um, good guy, always somebody. And we'll talk more about Darren and the impact that he had here and just sort of the remarkable nature of lasting that long in Major League Baseball we'll talk about all that with Darren a little bit later on also this morning um, we're gonna catch up with Jason Weber. yeah, Jason Weber and Ken Rogers a couple times this week I have flip flopped their two names and they
2: I thought Kenny Rogers had passed away
0: uh, no it's the pitcher Ken Rogers oh no wait no 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 it's J- it's no. the filmmaker Ken, Ken Rogers. Rogers with a D Ken Rogers uh, he's going to join us. No relation to Aaron, I don't think, although I guess we can ask him because... got to be a
1: lot of Rodgers in this country. You would assume so. You would, you would think.
0: But, you know, if there is... A, he works for NFL Films, so if there is a relation to Aaron, true, true. again, Aaron probably hates him like he does everybody else in his family. So we will catch up with those guys. They are the filmmakers behind the Bullies of Baltimore, which is the 30 for 30. It is airing this Sunday night on ESPN at 830 about the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I had the chance to watch it last week. It's awesome it's just so good um and i I won't give away our entire conversation but to me it really does become kind of a love letter to tony saragusa which is which is really really great and um will make you a little bit emotional as you're watching it on sunday night so i can't wait to chat with those guys about uh, the 30 for 30 that will air on Sunday. And by the way, I appreciate ESPN doing that because this is like the first Sunday we don't have football because Lord knows there is <laughs> zero chance I'm watching anything related to the. I, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl when it was a game. I'm not sure as hell I'm not going to watch it when it's not a game. Um, this is the first Sunday we we don't have football in, my God, how many weeks at this point? 40 weeks, something like that. So it's it's nice as we're weaning off of football to have something football-ish on Sunday night to <coughs> view instead. With this thirty for thirty, so that's coming up on the program today. Stan and and Zach, of course, because you're a you know you're a baseball guy. I I I hate the fact that it seems like every week there's something non baseball related with the Orioles that we've ended up having to discuss with you. And I've tried to you know limit how much I really want to talk about it throughout the course of the off season because it just wears me down at some point. I we don't have a lot of answers. I'm not really sure why everybody got so worked up this week about the Orioles' decision to not accept the five-year lease. It, on the whole, actually makes a lot of sense if you're planning on getting something done, why do two uh, different that's, leases? That's
2: also much larger in scope than, exactly than right. what the lease would be. Command.
0: Why would you do that? Why would you take this sort of short-term five-year lease that doesn't get things done that you want to have it get done? I get that there will forever be people that are going to be panicked and are going to be fearful and are going to be whatever it is. And I I've always said, I'm I have to be respectful that there are scars that still exist from the Baltimore Colts that some people will just never get over. And it doesn't matter. For those people, there's nothing you can say. I will believe something when I see it. And I get it. I really do. Because I don't know those scars. I was way too young to understand the long-term repercussions of what something like that would do to a sports fan. But on the surface, I have never understood the fear that an Orioles fan would have practically about the idea of this team moving. It just doesn't make sense given all of the facts that we have
2: well you have a situation though that you had one of the two brothers throw that out there and that's really sort of the uh, really negative and cynical uh purpose of uh, lou angelos is throwing Correct. that out there you know john has never you know first of all peter y- you know that expression over my dead body mm-hmm. well peter's not dead Um, he is incapacitated, but he would never stand for his son or wife being part of moving the franchise out of Baltimore or selling it to outside uh, sources. So Lewis took the thread of the fact that John has a home in Nashville to really say you know and he can do whatever he wants including moving the team to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty insidious thing to throw out to a fan base that still has and it's interesting Glenn because it's 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 like 22 and 16 17 20 is what 40, 49 39 39, 39 yeah. years ago the the fans that really were hurt the most are in their se- 60s Correct. 70s even 80s you know those people aren't chirping about this it's you know it's just really you know I did a speaking engagement the other day at Har Sinai Synagogue uh, to a a group called the Lecture Group and that was sort of the question after my talk that that's what people wanted to ask me is well isn't uh, the team going to move to Nashville I mean really it's become part of the narrative And it's really, there's literally nothing to it. So I've said a couple of times, one,
0: uh, if you want, again, the practical reasons why this is hogwash, the first is the stories that were created were that John Angelos was going to move the team to Nashville. Right. I I want to make this abundantly clear. And, and again, you don't need any amount of evidence to understand why Major League Baseball would never allow John Angelos to be given a new market. Now this isn't a shot at John, this is not This is the Angelos family has been a bit of a problem in the eyes of Major League Baseball. The issues between the Orioles and the Nationals have been something that Major League Baseball has been at least somewhat hurt by. It's something you're not supposed to do is be involved with litigation with another franchise. It's not supposed to happen. Major League Baseball will not reward the Angelos family by saying go ahead and have this other market that seems desirable. That won't happen, bar none. The follow-up, of course, being, well, they could sell to another group of owners who want to move to Nashville, which, one, shoots a hole in the idea that the Nashville story is about John Angelos. And is, By the way, um, while John Angelos maybe didn't want to talk about it, I did happen to notice his wife has offered commentary about the Nashville situation. Oh, good. Stan.
2: Oh, I had never
0: not seen that. Is it uh, social media? Her, her bio on Twitter... Her, this is, I just happened to notice this the other day. That's John Angelos' wife's Twitter bio
2: says. It's very, the, that's, the, well, Ori- that's, that's the point. John owns a home there. Right. It, because his wife has a career that centers around, in large part, Nashville. Her
0: legitimate Twitter bio, this is Margaret Valentine, is John Angelos' wife. The bio on her Twitter account says, The Orioles aren't moving to Nashville. I work there.
2: Let, right. Let me <laughs> throw one thing in as you as you talked about it. Not rewarding the Orioles. You know, the easiest thing for Major League Baseball right now, because they've had this litigation between the Orioles and the Nationals spill over for the last four or five years, would be to let the Orioles move to Nashville, because then that would open that up, would right. that would open up the Masson situation where. There would only be I, one team I, on Mass. Well, I'm not sure if the rules
0: would still say that, like Masson would also move to Nashville and the mm-hmm. Orioles and still. I have I no don't idea think how contem- that It wasn't is.
2: contemplated in I, the. Agreement. I have no.
0: I yeah. have no doubt. Yeah. I, I, th- I say this: the idea that somebody would have well, they they could let another ownership group move the team. One, again, it po- it pokes a hole in the idea that this is about John Angelos' relationship with Nashville. But two, the the insanity of thinking. That Major League Baseball is going to be cool with walking away from $600 million in free money when they have other franchises that are in genuine peril, legitimate actual peril between Tampa and Oakland. Yep. That a team that is being given $600 million in public funds is just going to be allowed to go move... And take up a market that they can hold over while they try to get $600 million in public funds from two other cities right now is nonsense.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, you have Dave Stewart, who, former major leaguer, who is now kind of overseeing this Nashville transition thing. For, you know another team coming into Nashville at a, you know a future date he said we have no interest in moving the Orioles to Nashville yeah I
0: saw right. that report from the Baltimore Sun yesterday and I right. and again I'm,
1: I'm not trying to knock them they're doing their jobs sure.
0: it's
2: just, I, I, I'm surprised this story gets the legs that uh, I really am you know given the yeah. length of time since the fo- the football team left the fact that there's no similarity to it's almost like the documents uh, you know the the uh, Uh, the documents thing right now with Trump and Biden. I mean, one is sort of accidental buffoonish. The other is definitely directly the guy has stated, these are my documents, I'm taking them with me. Um, There's no comparison between Robert Irsay, the late Robert Irsay, and John Angelos in terms of moving the franchise. Now that,
0: All that being said, and of course I agree with you, Stan. All that being said, I have no doubt that John Angelos and, and Mrs. Angelos, I, I have no question, are trying to do as well as they possibly can in these negotiations over the lease. I have no doubt that they are trying to either set themselves up as owners or in a sale to have the most value that you can possibly get from this relationship with the state, I think that anyone who is in their situation would do the exact same thing. And I get that as a fan base, it's frustrating because you just want it settled. This goes back to what we talked about last week, Stan, which is, you know, it, it, the comparison of, hey, it wasn't liftoff, but maybe they'll do it, you know. Will they be willing to do what's necessary at the deadline if they're in contention or next offseason? And my <clears> sort of, I, I think so, like, I'd like to hope so, but is there a possibility that this ownership situation will continue to just sort of linger over this franchise for another couple of years and it will hurt their ability to maximize on the young talent that they have? And the answer to me is, I don't know. I, I, It's possible. So that part of it, I think, is extraordinarily frustrating for Orioles fans. And I get it. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be frustrated by it. I'm I'm worn out by it. I would like for the conversations about the Orioles to just be about the team that's on the field. And, you know, if they get off to a great start, who would be the guys that make sense? Who are the guys that you're looking at that you're most trying to identify what their role is within the rebuild? I would prefer all of those things. But ultimately, these still th- these things still linger at this point. The problem being, at the end of the day... We're not going to get an answer, it doesn't seem like. Again, at some point, they're going to get a lease done because now they have – there's a deadline now, right? Like, it has to be done yeah. by the end of this year. They're going to get a lease done at some point by the end of the year, and it's going to involve these things that the Orioles have talked about. There's going to be upgrades to the areas around Camden Yards. They have talked about that for five to ten years. Yeah. The idea of building sort of a ballpark village, much like a a lot of people pointed out the comparison. St. Louis has done this and sort of revitalized the area around the new Bush Stadium. These are priorities for the Orioles. And almost certainly, particularly given their relationship with the governor right now, they're going to get them done. Like, that's going to be a part of this thing. We would just like for that announcement to be...
2: Now, <laughs> Like
0: we would prefer if we didn't have to keep waiting to get that announcement so we could end these these silly conversations. Listen,
2: John, John has a pretty big ego, you know, uh, and I, I know John pretty well. We're not best friends or anything, but we are friendly. Uh, he does. He likes to do audacious things. You know, the Billy Joel concert, the Paul McCartney concert and whatever the next concert is. He has this larger vision than was calculated by the efforts to upgrade both stadiums uh, in conjunction with their signing leases, you know, that freed up $600 million per team. Right. He doesn't want to stop it at,
0: at upgrading the sound system at the stadium. Right.
2: right. He, want, he has a larger vision of, and and in fairness to Steve Bashotti, because Bashotti's apparently n- very content with taking the $600 million this is no criticism of him, mm-hmm. he doesn't have the larger vision because his team only occupies that stadium 10 days a year. Mm-hmm. The Orioles occupy it, for all intents and purposes, six months a year, mm-hmm. even though it's only 81 games. But there's a more skin in the game for the Orioles and what they need to get accomplished and can get accomplished. And I think that that's what John is envisioning is using that ballpark and the Orioles renaissance on the field as being a means to make people feel more comfortable coming back down to Baltimore. You know, I
1: I, I think that's part of it. I yeah. think it's yeah. significant. A reaction I saw yesterday from a number of people was, why does this team, and this was their words, not mine, but why does this team have to make things so complicated? That's the reaction I saw from, from 15, 20 people at least. And I think the reason for that is what you guys are saying. They want to be able to make that significant contribution to the ballpark and be able to do these things it's not going to be as easy as just extending that five years. They want to make sure that they can get it in there that, hey, we're going to upgrade the scoreboard, the sound system, the food, we're going to make it an open concourse. Whatever they're going to do, I think they want to be able to make those changes and also keep those years uh, at, the, at the same number. And
0: I would go a step beyond that. I think they're looking for more revenue streams as well. Like sure. I, I think we yeah. have to be practical that's about this. That's a very good point.
1: Like, I, <coughs> I think
0: that as much as this is about, you know, John Angelus can say it's about the renaissance of Baltimore or whatever it is, and that's fine. And I'm not I'm not even trying to say that he doesn't have a vision that is about the role that the team plays within the city. Right. I, I believe that. But within that, that vision,
2: Correct. Be, Yeah, there is money for the Orioles to be made. You, you talked last
0: week, Stan, about that this is on how much the attendance improves. Like that, that will go a long way to showing what the Orioles are going to be able to spend. Well, if you can create new areas of revenue around the ballpark that you... Own or at least you are able to profit off of in a share with the state if you create a apartment complex, if you create whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be in this ballpark village that can live now for 365 days instead of 80 days and it can encourage, maybe there's a entertainment venue, maybe there's something else that's involved. We all know there's going to be a sports book involved. And bars
2: and restaurants and all, all of those things, things that drive people to get out of their homes and make the decision. Hey, I'm not going to stay here in Cockeysville and go to a bar. Correct. I'm going to go down to Baltimore. And if you, know, you can, it's very cool down there. If you can
0: create that, it opens up new revenue streams. And if that's the case in a small market where, again, there is a limit to how much revenue. We can say whatever you want to say about how the Orioles have handled the revenue that might be available right. to them, but you can't change the fact that it is a small market and there is another team now just down the road. That is something that makes sense for a franchise to do. Again, I'm not giving a pass to any decision that's been made in the past. I'm saying that you can understand why it is that a baseball team would look around and say, "What I need to do everything we can to try to create more revenue streams here and if that ends up being the type of thing that can in the future go towards payroll can go towards then it's going to end up benefiting baseball players. Now they have to prove that, of course. They just accepting it face value is something <coughs> that I'm not going to tell you I'm absolutely going to do. Once upon a time, slots was going to save Pimlico or something. I mean we've had a lot of things that right. we've been told over the years that haven't borne out to be true. But I get it. I get why in theory it makes sense and why it would be something that the Orioles would want to do. I'm interested by it because it does come along with the idea that you brought up stan which is you got this new arena that's about to open in a couple of weeks um it's a new arena yes
2: yeah, redone new old right.
0: yes correct i mean it's still i still have some frustrations about the fact that it's still a box like that i don't <laughs> get why you would put all of this money into an arena and it would still open back up in a box like that doesn't work for me but whatever i, I trust frank remish he's done a hell of a job I have no doubt it will continue to do a hell of a job. And they've already got Bruce Springsteen and Blink 182. And, you know, Chris Stapleton just announced yesterday. They're bringing in huge events. I love that. So you have that. If you can upgrade that area a little bit more, can it work? Maybe not quite like Harbor Place once upon a time. Maybe not that, because that truly was a renaissance in Baltimore between Harbor Place and the baseball stadium. But the idea of a second renaissance, the idea of. Finding more reasons. Top Golf is already downtown. The casino has done a lot. Expanding the region to have more and more reasons for people to choose to come downtown. More and more reasons for the lights to be on. For there to be more people downtown. For people to, you know, feel safer f- if you want to f- get feeling comfortable mm-hmm. about coming into Baltimore. Here. All of those things work. for for me they're they're not just beneficial to the orioles they're beneficial to every business they're beneficial to everyone that touches the downtown region so i'm on board with all of those things that is something that works for me i still hope that we don't have to keep talking about this forever i still hope that at some point the conversation shifts and it's about, hey, we feel comfortable with where we are. It's time to go spend some money on a
2: baseball yeah. player. I think one of the aspects of this, too, is the relationship John must have with Wes Moore. I think uh, – Definitely. Uh, you know, Westmore, the first African-American governor in the state's history. Uh, we did have Michael Steele, who was African-American, who was the uh, lieutenant, lieutenant governor. governor. Yep. Uh, but I and Boyd John- Rutherford, of course. Yeah, and Boyd Rutherford, of course, who's done a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. the sports world but i think the the idea that john john wants this to be a win-win and i think he really wants Wes Moore to get a big win out of we this we talked thing.
3: about that a little
0: bit last week but you know the it's interesting the ravens were willing to make the announcement before larry hogan departed office right. and if you kind of understand some of the and politics there and having worked there, with thomas kelso and right. thomas
2: is not going to be in charge of the stadium authority.
0: Anymore. So I think they were more inclined to get the deal done then, and the Orioles are more inclined to try to get a deal done now. Yeah. I think that that all works out. The, the only part of this is there's a lot being in the, the, the Orioles negotiating this right now with John Angelos being in the lead. Mm-hmm. There will be questions asked about, well, if they're ultimately going to sell the team anyway, why is it that John Angelos is the one that's making these decisions? And it's a fair question to ask. Is there still hope from John Angelos that he he isn't going to have to sell the baseball team? That if they get everything that they want, that this can all work out, there can be new lines of revenue, and he can be the owner of the Baltimore Orioles for some time?
2: Well, and I don't mean this in any devious way. Uh, If you remember the ownership of the Los Angeles Dodgers, when Frank McCourt Mm -hmm. and Jamie Luskin, Jamie Mm -hmm. McCourt... Uh, owned the team, and they were forced out by Major League Baseball. Uh, and it was quite apparent that, that that Major League Baseball had a real hard one to get them out. Yes. Because what they did was kind of reprehensible. They they used the the business of the Los Angeles Dodgers to fuel this extravagant lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, and put the Dodgers in. Uh, I don't know how much risk they were at, but that's not the way you're supposed to handle the fiduciary responsibility of owning a major league baseball team. Um, but the Dodgers at the very end, you know, the Dodgers owned the parking lots. Right. And it's- Frank McCourt was in the business of parking lots back in Boston. Mm-hmm. That's where he made his millions and billions of dollars. You know, do you know who still owns the parking lots? Oh, does he still own the parking lots? He still owns son the of parking lots. Wow. Yeah. So so what you're saying with John being the sort of the uh, ringmaster to, right. the, to creating this um, this entertainment section, perhaps John is he's trying if, to set it up. Set he, up a golden parachute that right. he has a stream of revenue. We, we sell the team. Yeah, but I still, yeah. I've talked to him about that, by the way, well, r- reminding it, him about who owns the parking lots, right? Because you know we're the concessions. Suppose John Angelo's knows he's going to sell in three years and starts the. The J A uh, hot dog stand, you know, and and leases the the concessions. Well, if, it, if it brings
3: that Coke to the ballpark, I think the fans <laughs> would be on board with it. <laughs> no,
2: that's yeah. a great.
1: That's a great point, though,
0: because you, you've seen. But does it make the team less valuable, right? Like that's that's always the question in something well, right. like this. When you're when the Dodgers are a major market team, right? right. Like the Orioles are not. There's always going to be a limit to something like that. We have thought for a long time that. Hey, the Orioles are, of course, for sale, but you know what isn't? Masson. Masson's not for sale right. because that's the golden goose, right? They have the Nationals' TV rights. They would not want to give up. You want to buy the ball the, the ball club, by all means, buy the ball club. But you're buying something that has a limited amount of revenue available because they're not going to sell you Masson at the same time. So a similar scenario would be, do you go to this length to build this downtown event center, complex, whatever you want to call it, and then say, hey, if you want to buy the baseball team, by all means, buy right. it. but right. This is all still mine. I'm not going to sell you that. And then you limit the number of interested parties in the baseball team because they say... Well, hey, that's what
1: makes the baseball team more valuable is that this is all part of the complex. I mean, I think John Angelos wants to do everything he can to make the city that much better because it benefits him in the long run and it benefits uh, the population. Well, if he's going to be the owner of of the baseball team. Team. Right. I Uh, mean, but even if he owns, you know, say something the Orioles and the Ravens put in between the two stadiums and where the parking lots are now, say he owns that, like you said, he's going to profit off of that. And there are questions about the geography
3: of all this because you can't just get rid of the parking. Correct, Correct.
0: There has to be some parking available at the stadiums so there definitely are reasonable questions and this is where it gets ugly because you don't want to see anyone forced out of their homes you don't want to see any you know uh, business owners forced out of their businesses so there are questions that have to be asked about physically where do all of these things go
2: yeah because there is i've got to take a look to be honest with you you know it's been a while but the first thing i'll be looking at uh, around the opening day when I go down there yeah, will be is sort of, okay, where How would does this I envision? It? Right, well, I mean, I'm, right uh, now, I can't envision it. You have half of the warehouse
1: that's taken up by the Orioles office space, and then there are other things in the other half, and I'm not sure anybody but really... you wouldn't want to bring down the warehouse itself. You wouldn't, well, that's I mean, not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying you can put things in there. I mean, there's probably, what, six floors, seven they've floors? they have run out the commercial space that yeah, they rent you run, out? Yeah, exactly. You can, you can kind of make that into a bar and you know but, restaurant but, area. Yeah, that's there. not what they're envisioning. But yeah. probably not. No. I. You're
2: right.
0: And and that's that's I just don't know where all this stuff goes just yet. So that's a great point. You know,
2: just real quick because I know Mm -hmm. we're gonna have Darren O'Day on momentarily. Uh, But but John, as I said, has a big ego, and I think his first and foremost, John is not scurrying around trying to figure where his next buck is coming from. You know, he he's very wealthy. He's taken care of. I think he has a genuine love for this city, and puts it first in you know I in, I don't I don't doubt that. And yeah. we know that
0: the Angelo's family, for whatever the holes you want to poke in what they've done over the years, the the philanthropy part of it is real. They have right. been very philanthropic over the years and of course we know the University of Baltimore in particular has has g- cr- greatly benefited from the Angelo's family. Yep. So I don't doubt that he's he's interested in trying to help Baltimore at the same time. I, I'm not dismissive of the idea that he wants something that's better for the city as a whole. I just think that he wants to benefit from it as well.
2: One last thing. John is a grand design person. Mm-hmm. His, his stewardship of what is happening on the field, all the, talk about, all the talk about this would not be really possible if they were losing 100 games a year right now. You know, we might think. In other words, his grand design had to be: yeah. I've got to get this team right. back where people want to s- come down and see it again, right. and then and then and then all, this, everything else
0: will follow. It's an interesting point. Yeah. It's a very interesting point. All right, stand the fan. Charles is in studio. Was with it a us. good
2: point, though?
0: I, it's not a bad point. I think it makes sense. It, it's it's interesting in that I I. Like let's just say last year had gone poorly. I don't think that he would have abandoned any of that. I don't think no, he would have I suddenly say, but, I, we're not going to try to do it any
2: longer." But he's put it. He's put it together where it's yes. All it, time, gonna, it times
0: out much better that yeah. there is some interest in the baseball team if yeah. they happen to be sitting at
2: if Rio Ruiz was still the, yeah, the power hitter thing, on yeah. the team.
0: If yeah. if they're thirty six and twenty four this summer and there's a feel, there's something, there's a life to this, and then they just, they announce. Hey, we got a, a big announcement coming up. It's going to be electric. Yep. It's going to be definitely. Th- the vibes will be immaculate on a day where they announce we've come to the agreement. Here's the lease. Let's show you the blueprints of what we have in mind. If it if it's partnered with the baseball team playing well, every's going everyone's going to be very excited about yeah. that. There's no question about that. I agree wholeheartedly. Hey, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Listen, gambling can be fun, but you need to set a limit and stay within it. So if you have, you know, sports betting became legal in the state of Maryland, and you got a little carried away, someone you know got a little bit carried away, here's what I encourage you to do. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You can also go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. You can do either of those things 24-7, 365, for free confidential services. Again, 1-800-GAMBLER helpmygamblingproblem.org. Those are the resources for you if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. All right. Hour number one of today's show, Stan the Fan Charles, is in studio with us. We're going to be joined by Darren O'Day in just a second. I do want you to think about this, Stan, because I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on. Mention 30 for 30 about the 2000 Ravens is going to air on Sunday night. Today also so happens to be the 10th anniversary of the Ravens winning Super Bowl 47. So, a, a question that I just have, and I'm going to put out there for fans today Does one of them mean more to you in any particular way than the other? Is there anything as we reflect on both of them this weekend for different reasons? One being a 10th anniversary, nice round number, the other being a movie that's coming out about it does one of them register for you in a different way than the other one does? I don't want you to oh, answer okay, it right now. Okay. I just want you to think it, about okay. it, we're I've talk, it. I've got to answer. And I do, too. We're going to talk about it a little bit later on in the show. But joining us right now, this man announced this week uh, that he is hanging up the cleats after a hell of a run in Major League Baseball, which included, of course, some very fruitful years here in Baltimore. This man pitched from 2008 to 2022 in the big leagues, including, of course, the stint from 2012 to 2018 in Baltimore, where they did a fair amount of winning while he was here. He is, of course, former Oriole Darren O'Day, and he's with us now here on GCR. Darren, it's Glenn Clark, Stan the Fan Charles in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time for us, and congratulations on reaching this point in your life, my friends.
4: Hi, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys and be able to talk to the, the old all those fans that I, I miss, uh, it's great to be on.
0: Darren, it, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the show. Not a lot of dudes get to do this until they're 40 years old. I mean, it's pretty rare that you get to accomplish it. Like, in in the last few years, how many times do you have to say to yourself, God, I, I can't believe I'm blessed that I'm able to still do this at such a high level for such a long time?
4: Yeah, I, absolutely. That's, that's a good way to put it. Um, it is really a... a a luxury to be able to do that. And, uh, there was a couple of times where I, I considered retiring and, um, you know, I, I kind of being able to play to your 40 and then as my kids get a year older, you know, I get a chance for, for my four or five year olds to, uh, to remember some things from, from playing baseball. And then I just love being in the clubhouse. And that's really what keeps bringing me back is, uh, is being part of a team. So, yeah, I soldiered on until I was forty, and uh, but I think myself and my wife are both done with baseball.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Darren, uh, Stan Charles here. Wondering if you would you would be so bold to say that the years in Baltimore were the highlight of your career?
4: Uh, it definitely is where I did my personal best work. Um, it's tough to say, Stan, because I was, you know, when I was with the Rangers, we went to the World Series twice. That's um, right.
2: I forgot. Okay. Yep. Yep.
4: Yeah. And then uh, when I was with the Braves, um, yeah, we were one win away from going to the World Series in 2020, which was a, uh, which should have been a winnable matchup against the Rays. Um, so <clears throat> I will say that, and it's not really a hot take, but uh, I just don't want to disrespect the other teams I was with, but mm. but for me, and especially being in that era of my career where. You know, a lot of the guys on the team were uh, younger guys without without kids or just having kids, and we're all super tight, and we just had so much fun uh, suiting up every day and playing together for so long.
2: Hey, I'm just curious also, if I got the facts right on this, when when Andy McPhail retired as Oriel GM uh, to go help his dad, who was uh, aging and, and soon would pass away, there was a lull before they brought in Dan Duquette. As I understood it, Buck Showalter was kind of like the Andrew Haig uh, of the Orioles at that time and was sort of running things for a couple weeks. And did did Buck Showalter bring you into Baltimore?
4: You are correct. Yes, he was the acting GM for that short period of time. And uh, I'll never forget, I was at my old house, you know, I think I was organizing a dresser and I got a call from, you know, a Maryland number. Uh, so yeah, it was him and I believe trip Norton
2: yep. and, uh, yep. or
4: Ned, Ned rice. Um, and they were, yeah, that was one of their, their few roster moves. Uh, It ended up working out for six years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so interesting you bring that up. Darren O'Day is with us here on GCR because I'm wondering what you were feeling about coming to Baltimore at that point. Of course, we all know what ended up happening in Baltimore, right? But in November of 2011, wasn't an attractive. Yeah, this was not a place where a lot of guys wanted to be. Can you take me back to where you (laughs) were at that point? What your expectations were? And how long it took before you said, well, actually, there might be something cooking. And, and
2: the trust you had in Buck yeah. Showalter. Yeah, sure. yeah,
4: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the year before, I was in Texas, obviously, and, and I had a couple good seasons, and then I had a bad one. So I was pretty devastated when they, they let me go. Um, just being a young player, I thought I'd be there forever, and I thought, you know, the good times would keep rolling. So, uh, but I fell in hard times. I wasn't pitching well. I got hurt, so they cut me. And then uh, Baltimore, you know, Buck picked me up. And my only impression of Baltimore at that point is it's, it's just insufferably hot in the middle of the summer.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> and the pitchers weren't great, but the hitters were really good. Uh, so that was my impression as an outsider, just being a young player. Uh, and then I, I thought, maybe this is a good opportunity for you. You know, it's not a great pitching staff at the moment. Maybe you can carve out a bigger role. Um, and then as soon as I got to camp and I saw the young talent we had in camp, um, you know, guys that were ready to break out. And then I saw how, how Buck was going to run the camp and, and really emphasize accountability and, and and working hard and paying attention to details. I thought, okay, we got something here. If everybody buys into this, we're going to be pretty good. And that year 2012 was so much fun. It was just kind of a carefree year where, you know, a bunch of misfits just kind of just strapped them up, went out and let it all hang out. And, and, uh, I feel. I still feel like we should have won that five-game series against the Yankees in
5: the playoffs
0: as well. We totally don't ever think about the Nate McCloud <laughs> thing ever around here, Darren. It's never. It never comes up in conversation. We've just totally gotten over it over the years. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Something that the, so. So again, from there, right? Like even after 2012, there were a lot of people that wanted to be dismissive, like, "Hey, you know, the the run differential wasn't good." Did Did you know then? Like, no, this is. Did, did you have any clue even after 2012? This is going to be the team that wins the most games in the American League for the next five years. Like, did, did you know how special what was building was?
4: Okay. That, see, that'd be a hard, that would be a hot take if I could have predicted that. Right. Uh, I, knew, I knew we were in the right spot of the talent window. You know, baseball is, has become cyclic where. You have to, it's kind of like the NFL where you, you kind of have to have a, either a young quarterback that's good because they make too much money as they move on. Um, you can't build a good team. So baseball is kind of the same way. It's cyclic. And, and we were right at the beginning of our winning window when I got to Baltimore. And I've been blessed to be able to do that, you know, three different times uh, in my career where I, I come into an organization where all that young talent is ready to really mature. And I knew we were going to be good. Um, I didn't, I never really accounted for how much the little things that we did right in that, that era. And then the bullpen would, we would win so many close games during those years. So, yeah, I think we punched above our weight for, for a couple specific reasons.
2: Darren, I've got to ask you a question. It's going to sound like it's a personal question, but I was born in Washington, DC. And when I was four and five years old, uh, I got to witness one of the first submarine pitchers. And I don't know, I've never talked with you about this, whether you call yourself a submarine pitcher, but I got to see Dick Hyde and Ted Abernathy, yeah. who were two of the originators of this. I, when I was 40 years old, I went to, to Oriole Fantasy Camp in 1992, and I decided, well, I want to pitch. And I started throwing submarine, which shot. I had, right. which I had done previously. But Buck Jackson, Grant Jackson, the late Grant Jackson, picked me as as a pitcher on his team, and we ended up winning the championship. And he told me, he goes, "I picked you because I saw you throwing under, you know, submarine, and I knew you wouldn't hurt your shoulder." And damn, if he wasn't right, I didn't hurt my shoulder, but the rest of my body was so in pain, and if I'm correct again, factually, I don't think you've ever had any type of significant arm injury, but the submarine motion, could you talk to us about how difficult that is on the body?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, Stan, I'm glad that you you admitted the rest of your body was sore. It it still hurts. You know, the only thing I've had, I, I did tear my shoulder label when I was a young player, um, uh, and I learned how to take care of that. I never had to have surgery. And then I, I did have a flexor tendon problem, which is in the elbow later on in my career. But for the, the span of time I played, not having a, an arm surgery is, uh, is pretty special. So yeah, the, the submarine, I don't, I don't really have a, uh, a preference, whether you call it submarine or sidearm yep. or underhand, Yep. you know, whatever gets the guys out, uh, I'm past trying to look cool. Uh, if anybody's seen the way I pitch, you know, they understand that, but it's, and it is tough on your body. You have a certain body type works better. Somebody that's really loose, kind of long, mm-hmm. Somebody that has a longer arm action, um, is, is I've kind of a trend I've noticed in a lot of guys, the short arm action guys besides a few generally don't work as sidearm guys. And then you really have to be not that good throwing overhand. That's one of the keys mm-hmm. as well. Um, you you know if you're too good throwing overhand, um, you're not never going to experiment with sidearm. So if I had, it's funny how that works out. If I had thrown ninety or ninety-two in high school or, or eighty-nine in high school, I never would have learned to throw sidearm because I mm-hmm. would have been good enough that teams wanted me. So, uh, yeah, you got to. It's kind of going to be your last resort, and you really got to buy into it.
2: Yep, like a knuckleballer. You know, you got to really. You're you're yeah. making a major sea change to how you present yourself. Worked out okay for Darren, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> it worked out
0: all right for him. Darren O'Day is with us. He announced his retirement from baseball this week. Um, uh, Darren, I, the relationship that you shared in Baltimore with this fan base, you know I, I don't want to say middle reliever because you're obviously a late-inning reliever, but you weren't a closer, of course. And it, In in the history of the mm-hmm. sport, typically relievers that aren't closers are for the most part nondescript, right? They're not the most celebrated guys but you Absolutely. were really a beloved figure here in Baltimore for a few years. Can you kind of tell me about that relationship with this fan base and how how special that was for you?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, one thing I've noticed is a lot of people in, in Baltimore, Baltimore especially, tell me, uh, my mom or my sister or my brother doesn't know much about baseball, but... When you pitch, they know you're, They know it's you.
0: They recognize so the motion. They, sure. Yeah.
4: Yes, they love that. You know, it's different, and uh, they see it a lot. So the familiarity with that, and then just how serious. I mean, Baltimore cares about their sports. I found that out the first Fan Fest I went to when it was like 28 degrees, and there's ice on the sidewalks, and there's people wrapped all the way around the convention center just waiting to come in and take pictures and get autographs from some guys who are good at a, a kid game. So it's just, uh, it's just a great fan base, and, and especially as the time went on and we brought that, that winning baseball back, back to uh, the city with such a, a proud baseball heritage is when I think the, the, the city really rose up and supported us. You know, the city, city loves to win. They love to, they love to come out and support when, when you're a good squad and you're representing them well.
2: Darren, I want to ask you about one of your teammates in those Oriole years. You you got to sit, I guess, saying up close. You're not really up close to the action when you're in the bullpen, but you got to rub elbows with Zach Britton in arguably one of the greatest seasons a relief pitcher has ever had. What was his dominance like back then for those couple of years?
4: Um, It was... That's the absolute perfect word for it is dominance, and it's it's funny. I was I went on to play with Zach later on in my career in New York as well, and uh, we got time to reminisce about the good old days. the The season, the spring training. He was learning to be a reliever, and he he didn't know you had to wait for the manager to call you out of the bullpen to run out to the mound. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and he didn't know how to warm up, and he's freaking out. He's, how many warm up pitches do I throw? How many fastballs? How many sliders? <laughs> Uh, he's just a he was just a high energy guy, and I think um, Zach would think about his starts so much in between starts that yeah. it would it would kind of psych him out. Yep. And, and that's the, the mental game is such a big part of the major leagues. Everybody's physically talented. I think Zach is he's matured to handle being a starter, but he's he's a pretty damn good reliever, so I think he's going to stick there. Yeah, but this is a long this is a long way of saying uh, to tell you guys how far he came from. A struggling starter a guy who didn't know how to warm up and then he he started the previous year as our long guy just to throw him in the bullpen and see how good he was tommy hunter was our closer tommy didn't pitch poorly but zach just pitched so well that he yep. quickly we figured out hey man this guy's throwing 97 mile an hour splitters when the the hitters are walking away from the plate shaking their head thinking he's, he's stuffing the ball or he's cheating or he's doing something that they don't know about and no, it's just because he's got these tiny little T-Rex arms, and he, you know, <laughs> he almost hits his ear when he throws, and and it makes the ball do crazy stuff. We now know it's seam-shifted wake and, and all sorts of fancy analytical stuff, but the guy, all he had to do those years was just throw the ball over the plate and, and nobody was hitting it. It was just, it was as
0: close to Mariano as you'll ever get. Yeah. It's remarkable. I think it was remarkable.
2: 054 ERA and an 083 whip. Correct.
0: Unbelievable. Correct. And by the way, uh, people forget he could also swing the bat a little bit too. It's easily forgotten. He hit a home run in Atlanta at one point. Like, he actually could swing the bat a little bit, Zach Britton. Darren O'Day, uh, oh, as, as we wind down.
3: I'm- yeah, go ahead.
4: I wasn't joking about those short arms. I mean, they are short. The guy, if he's got change in his pocket, he can't reach it. But, but And if you think to be able to throw that hard with the short arms, and he's one of my dear friends, so I know he's going to take this well, you have to be moving pretty fast. So Zach is an extremely good athlete. He's all fast twitch. Uh, he's very talented, very well-rounded. So. Zach, I believe, could have been a major league position player as well. Don't think That's he would have awesome. been as good as he is as pitcher, sure. but he could
2: have done it. I remember the day; it must have been twelve or thirteen, where he was he was not DFA'd. He was sent out, and the next day I was at Twin Lakes and watched him pitch in an inner squad game, and he was getting tattooed by every hitter. And I said, "Boy, this guy. I thought I thought he was going to be really be something." And I said, "He's just not going to make it." Oh, and yeah, then n- he, nice, nice call, Stan. yeah. I was <laughs> nice a good call. Scout. I was a good scout. <laughs> Nailed that one.
0: Yeah, um, Darren. Before we let you go, and we really appreciate the time. I, I want to ask you about what's next for you, and then I'm going to compare pair it with. Uh, I've asked a few guys this the last couple years. Adam, everybody that announced their retirements. How retired oh. are you? If Buck were to call in July and say, we're in the throes of this thing. I could use a few innings to get us <laughs> or, over the hump. Or Brandon. Yeah, sure. Even Brandon, right? We could take that here. But, you know, particularly given your yeah. relationship with Buck, by the way, the irony of it being at City Field, where once upon a time uh, he pulled that prank on you with the unicycle, which was one of our yeah, favorite things. Um, how retired are you at this point? What would you say to Buck if he were to call this summer? Uh,
4: you know, I would say, Buck, I respect you very much so uh, as a man and as a manager. But uh, the only reason, the only good thing that's going to come out of that, me coming back, is another surgery and insurance from another year. So, um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm fully retired. I am not going to Tom Brady this one because I think my <laughs> wife might divorce me. Um, and I just don't, you know, you got to throw, you got to build up the season. I haven't done any of that. I still work out, I, but it's my kind of fun workouts instead of these functional strength workouts. and. I'm hanging out with the kids, playing a little golf, mountain biking. Uh, I like to cook, and I think I might do a little bit of broadcasting or radio this next awesome. season. Awesome!
2: That—that's what I was going to ask you. You'd be an excellent broadcaster, Darren. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you—you you make a really good color analyst. Is, is it.
0: that something you're telling? Like, is there—is there a team that you're going to be working with that you know of? Um, it's not solidified yet, okay. but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to dip
4: my toe in here this year. We'll very, good deci- good
2: at. very good decision. Very good decision. They You'd will be excellent.
4: very
0: lucky to have you. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Darren, is <laughs> there any, is there anything else that you're involved with? You know, a charity, something like that, that we can plug for you. We really appreciate you taking the time for us.
4: Well, guys, uh, my my charity is uh, taking care of my kids. You know, I, I should start a charity. I being a dad is harder than being a major league player. I can <laughs> man, tell you, man. You're so telling me. The, much respect to all the dads out there, and moms.
0: Darren, I just took a seven-year-old and a five-year-old to Disney World two weeks ago, and I still haven't recovered from it yet. Like it's It financially have ruined the bills me. Have the bills come oh, in yet? God, for it, Darren, truck? if you need any side work done at your house, if you need anybody to come down and Help with some pruning or something like that. Please let me know, because uh, I am never going to recover from that. Yeah,
5: that's right. At Day
0: 56 it. on Twitter is how you follow him. Darren, you know how loved you are here in town. Uh, can't wait to see you back here at some point, Orioles Hall of Fame, whatever it is, and you know there will be a lot of people that will be lining up to buy you a meal, buy you a drink. Uh, grateful for everything you did during your time here, and thank you so much for taking the time for us. Congratulations on, on calling it a career.
4: Hey, thank you, guys. Enjoy the time. Take care. I'll see you guys
0: soon. Okay, Darren O'Day with us here on GCR. Great stuff. That was a lot of fun. Appreciate him coming on with us this morning. Um, You know, there's been some like debate this week about is Darren O'Day in Orioles Hall of Famer? And all I like keep saying back is, like, what is the argument against? Like,
1: Well, when you look at some of the other players in yes. the Hall of Fame, you like, start to wonder why they're there. He's so, more qualified. He's quite a bit more qualified <laughs> right. than many others.
0: Like, what in the world would the argument be for not having Darren O'Day in the Orioles Hall of Fame? My God. A key player on really good teams no debate about that in my yep. mind whatsoever
1: and a great dude appreciate him he he will
2: be a good broadcast oh he'll be
1: damn yeah. good I was th- you know I was thinking that the entire time during the interview that he has that voice he has he's so well spoken he's very uh, articulate so I think he is going to going to do very he well it
2: reminds me a little lowenstein okay you, you know okay. Uh, i you know, probably not c- quite the weird sense of humor that John had well, and that's the, like I think the we, presentation.
0: I, I think it, every time all of us talked to Caleb Joseph, we said, dude, you're, you're, you are you're can play baseball for as long as you want, right. but we all know what your real calling right. is going to right. end up being.
2: Right. He'll make a lot more money. A you know, oh, thousand percent. Yeah. Darren O'Day, Caleb of course, had a far better career, yeah, and, yeah. And, and,
0: and we didn't think that <laughs> way, but there's no doubt. What, what you said is 100% accurate. He... Is going to be perfect in that role, yeah, natural and has for that, yeah. of course he's married to a broadcaster, right? Like he's he's watched how TV works for a long time in his own house. I think he will be perfect in a role like that. Appreciate Darren O'Day hopping on with us this morning. Um, if you've not signed up for sports betting yet, or let's just say for example you signed up for DraftKings, or you signed up for you know FanDuel or BetMGM or something like you signed up for one, but you haven't signed up for some others. What you should do right now is wander over to pressboxonline.com slash offers. And so if you've never signed up for Caesars before, you can click on the link and bet as little as $20 and get a $100 free bet. But you got to go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now in order to take advantage of it because these offers will not last forever. When we come back in, I want to I pose that question that I teased to you, Stan. Yes.
2: Just wanted to add one thing. Darren O'Day earned forty nine million six hundred and seventy three dollars uh, in his career. Uh,
0: that, he's going to be okay. He's going to okay. be all right. He, he doesn't. Be,
2: he he should
0: have offered to pay for you. Right, I trip to Disney. World. He doesn't need to be in a rush to do anything else at this point in his life. He's going to be just fine. Uh, he can take his kids to Disney every summer or every winter. We'll come back in. We'll talk about the two Super Bowls that were both being celebrated this weekend. 10th anniversary of Super Bowl 47, a movie coming out about the 2000 Super Bowl. Does one of them mean something a little bit more to you for some particular reason? I want to talk about that next. Stan the Fan is here. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
6: Thank you. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically
7: advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing
0: every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Steaks. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day Holiday Racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more.
2: See you at the track. 100 North Point Boulevard.
6: Another Orioles season is in the books, and the bat around was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, all off season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash Pressbox Online and Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at Pressboxonline.com/slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. If you can't
7: listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or if lying isn't your thing. We'll take a three and a half star review, too.
0: All right, back in here on GCR. Stan the Fan is here. Zach Goodman's in for Griffin today. Uh, let's let you guys plug some things. Zach, what's coming up on the Bat-A-Round tomorrow?
1: So I will not be here on the Bat-A-Round oh, tomorrow. Right. You're, uh, you're, Ryan you're Blake scouting will tomorrow. be, yeah, so yeah. I will be uh, in Virginia. And Ryan Blake will be filling in, so Ryan always does a great job. I need to, you know, I need to get Ryan something or, or do something for Ryan because he's been there <laughs> for me when I can't be there mm, so great. many times. Now, cool. so I appreciate that. Does he still do
0: his own podcast? Yeah. So him, him, and
1: Paul actually oh, okay. are teaming up to do that. Uh, give a fan a podcast okay. uh, with the which is with Utah Street Report, I believe. Okay. So that's very a cool. very, very good podcast very if cool. you haven't listened to it yet. And they've been doing the uh, Family Feud Orioles trivia for the past. About two months. Oh, and, I like and, that. And Paul and I are now in the championship. Oh, look so at we're that! We're doing and good.
0: Look at you guys, very good. Stand the fan.
2: Monday night, we have uh, assistant general manager Eve Rosenbaum. Okay, with Ross and I. I on Monday conversation. six with o'clock, and then seven o'clock on Thursday. Gary and I will have Jim uh, Ferry, the head coach, UMBC. UNBC. And in fact, the following Thursday, the sixteenth. We will have on Commissioner Jackie Williams of the CIAA CIA, and Al Hutchinson from uh, visit Baltimore. Uh, visit Baltimore. Excellent. Of course, CIAA tournament will be the first event
0: at the newly remodeled. And what do they call CFG Bank Arena? I believe, if I remember correctly, is, is that's correct. What, that's, a, that's that's what's what it's being called now. Um, which, if anything else, like go go to the tournament to see the basketball, to see the experience. CIAA tournament is a cultural event far beyond just being a basketball tournament, but it'll be your first opportunity to experience the new this building. new arena as yep. well, which is a great reason for you to get to the tournament here in a couple of weeks.
2: Uh, Gary and I last night, by the way, had a very nice interview with Danny Black of
0: Baltimore yep. uh, uh, Baltimore Sports Collectibles.
2: Yep. Uh, Danny really is an expert. At, at that stuff, he's
0: great. No doubt about that. And of course, if you have not picked up the print issue of Press Box yet, only about what, ten, you know, ten days or so left for you to go out and get this one. So go do it right now. Your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. That's Adley Rutschman, our Mo Gaba Sports Person of the Year, on the cover. Our Best of 2022 issue of Press Box. All right. So I pose the question: We're celebrating both Ravens Super Bowls this weekend. On Sunday night, Bullies of Baltimore, 30 for 30 from ESPN, airs. I, I will give away. I had to pre-record our interview with Jason, Ro- <laughs> Jason Weber and Ken Rogers. And they let me know, by the way, that not only will you be able to watch the Bullies of Baltimore on Sunday night on ESPN, but then at about the same time, they're going to put on ESPN Plus an uncensored version of Bullies of Baltimore. And if you remember – the personalities on that 2000 ravens team you might understand why there is a need for a censored and uncensored version of bullies of baltimore you might remember for example something that brian billick said in the locker room after <laughs> a game in nashville that they wouldn't be able to put on espn on sunday night so you can watch it on espn on sunday but they're also going to do an uncensored version on espn plus and today stay on the fan is the 10th anniversary of of the Baltimore Ravens going into New Orleans and defeating the San Francisco 49ers to win Super Bowl 47. So the question I'm asking today, and I get it, it's it's a personal question for a lot of people. I don't think there's a collective answer to this. But does one of those two mean something more to you than the other one does, and why? And I'm I'll go to Zach too, but I'm going to guess the answer is going to have to be the second one because <laughs> I don't think he was alive yeah. for the first.
1: One. I was I was alive, okay. but uh, <laughs> not by much. Yeah.
2: Uh, my answer to that is obviously the, f- the first one because of what Baltimore went through yep. uh, with uh, the loss of the Colts. And, you know, it's in- it's interesting. The loss of the Colts really took place when Carol Rosenblum s- oh, traded, yeah. or, traded yes, the correct. franchise for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, that was the loss of the Baltimore Colts because it had gone from sensible, smart, running of a football team to a drunken buffoon. Uh, but having gone through the 13 years without pro football, which when I think about it, it seemed like a much larger swath of life at the time it was going on. Like, wow, we haven't had football here in so long. Now I think about it, it's pretty amazing. you know. Uh, I mean, the, the new Cleveland Browns are what, like 23 years old? 22 years old? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because
0: they came back in 98 or 99. Right, Which right. year did they come back? It won, I think it was 98. Yeah. 98, yeah.
2: So they're 24 years they've been in existence. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah.
0: It's pretty remarkable to yeah. think about. But and they're in the
2: good hands of Jimmy Haslam and Deshaun Watson yes. now. Yeah, what yeah. else can you ask for? <laughs>
3: what else could you ask
1: for as a yeah. fan? Um, Zach, I'm assuming the answer is the second one because you remember it. No no doubt. I remember it very well, actually. Um, And, you know, I I just remember, obviously, the emotion that comes with that. I mean, you know, I hadn't really seen the Ravens do anything like that before. I mean, I, I... I didn't really have too much consciousness during the the two thousand <laughs> Super Bowl win, so um, yeah, I mean, it, it meant a lot to to me as a, a young Ravens fan, and I hope to see it again. I mean, let, let's let's hope that and once more in my lifetime, at least, the Ravens will will do this, where I'll be able to remember it at an even greater capacity.
0: So, so a couple yeah. of the answers that came in from Chris. Chris says. Glenn, it might have something to do with age. I was about seven when the Ravens won the first Super Bowl, but admittedly, the second one, because of what happened in New England the year before, will That's always great point. stand out to me significantly. Yeah. The heartbreak of everything that we had experienced previous to that, when I was seven, I had no idea. It didn't really matter to me if the Ravens won or lost. Somebody else brought that up that wasn't seven. Somebody else, hang on a second, Dave. Dave brought that up and said, I was just so grateful for having a football team that it wasn't that big of a deal to me whether or not the Ravens won the Super Bowl the second time around take, yeah. right? just like, being
2: relevant again we I mean. were
0: just so thankful for it to be happening on the yeah. flip side but Chris points out that everything that happened in New England the way that it set up that off season, and all of the Joe Flacco detractors all of it built up to a place where that was the most meaningful Super Bowl I could ever possibly imagine well you know I mean, I hear you, but they could win one next year, and I'm sure it would be pretty meaningful as well, Chris. You know,
2: I left out one other reason why it was special to me, because I'd gotten to know Art model up close and personal, um, using that phrase. Mm. Uh, and I, it, it really... For him, right. Yeah, because How he had got vilified, vilified. Yep. the way Irsay was, and yet the circumstances were entirely different. Art was not was not a drunken buffoon right Or uh, tried to do right but yeah, he Cleveland wanted to keep the team correct for a long, in time, correct. Yeah, long time and they treated him Like an assumed second class citizen.
0: That's a very fair point. And I I do think that it meant a lot, you know, like in him, you know, sort of standing up and hoisting the trophy was really kind of beautiful for people here and what he had done for our city, obviously. And watching David kind of stare at the trophy. Yeah, 100%. And then, and and you know what? It's funny you bring that up because I, ooh, hang on. Joe, Joe mentioned uh, the second one, we never really got to experience touching the trophy the way that we did with the first one. Remember, after the first Super Bowl, the Ravens were hell bent on getting the trophy around town so that every ravens fan could, could touch, touch it, it. Yep. and that meant the world to me it is it is it's a un- it's a unique comparison right to take nothing away from how the ravens handled themselves after winning yeah. the second there is no correct answer for how to do that right but you it's it's funny because you brought up david modell as we remember
2: david took it upon himself it as was
0: a mission 1000 yeah. percent driven by david modell to say i want all of you like i want this to be for you to take it anywhere he could around town for months to make sure everybody had a chance to touch the Lombardi Trophy.
2: I remember there was an event at the Senator Movie Theater. Okay. It must have been a must have been some kind of quick documentary that they put together for the season because mm-hmm. I remember it was cold, so it had to have been fairly right yeah. after. And there was this big event there, and I have a picture. Jane has a picture of herself. With David Modell and they're sort of holding yeah. the trophy together my wife couldn't care couldn't have really cared less sure but she thought it was so neat to be able to to hold that, it and touch and it and that was
0: David Modell's thing and yeah. I and I don't know that a lot of people understood like what that would mean to them yeah. to be able to it, it was his way of saying this is yours too yeah that this this isn't really ours and I think it speaks to maybe some of the disconnect that has existed in more recent years between the franchise and the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why we wanted to do player shows again here because it just felt like there was a bit of a disconnect. Yeah. Um, that, that was a big thing to David Modell to say we want it, – it's a little bit about touching the trophy. It's the small way that we can say we want you to know that this is yours as well, which yep. was so significant. Yeah. Uh, from Nick, the most recent one, unfortunately I was out of town for the first one and couldn't afford to get back to celebrate, so this one <laughs> I was able to party in the city and attend the parade, so yeah, the second one meant more. Obviously far more personal, of course, I completely get it. That makes He also says he went to the Denver playoff game in that run, so yeah.
1: Glenn, I'm curious, you, you talk about that disconnect between the fans and the franchise, do you think that the Lamar Jackson situation, um, and you know, say he does end up signing that long-term contract, do you think that's going to drastically change that?
0: I don't think so. I, this is, it's it's far more grassroots than this right what what I refer to it's the there is such a a, a smaller touch between the That's franchise the perfect word for it yeah. and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. casual the, the the common fan than there was in the first ten years of the franchise's existence It's training camp right like it's you can go to training camp now, but you have to plan ahead of time you have to know when you want to go yeah you have to make sure that you 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 decide. Two months in advance so you can get a ticket for right. that day in order to go to training camp. There was camp. nothing
2: like driving out to, to you know, uh, it's McDaniel College. I,
0: I don't know if you have any memories of that, Zach, because of your no, age. No, like, no. No.
3: What would have the final like year been? 2010 like, would have been the last year of yeah, training camp in West like Westminster?
2: That. It was like a mini vacation day, It was know, going out it, there. You could wake up on a
0: Saturday morning, <laughs> say, I don't really have any plans today get in a car, and drive out to Westminster and touch the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, literally. The players would come over afterwards and sign autographs and things like that. You could... There's nothing like that. There's no ability for someone to do that now. I mean, I guess when they do their stadium... I well, think they, they had all the passes claimed for the stadium practice last year too. It was in like three minutes. Yeah, there's like, no yeah, yeah. day that you can just wake up and say, "I don't have plans today. I'm going to take my kids to go touch the Baltimore Ravens," which was such a huge part of the grassroots, you know, portion of building a fan base and getting this city to fall in love with the franchise. It was
2: like a an extension of the Baltimore Colts. Yes, you know, in the. F- sentimentality that they had. Which Steve Bichotti said was
0: really important to him yeah. because he, of course, grew up a Baltimore yeah. Colts fan yeah. and, and wanted people to be able to experience it. And this is not, a, I've said before, it's yeah, not, it's a, not knock. a knock. It's not a knock. They've decided this is a better way for them to go about preparing for the season. And that's, I, I don't, I can't say that it isn't. I don't know that definitively.
1: But I also think it's how times have changed in general. If you know what I mean. There's, I, there's yeah, far it,
0: fewer teams that do that in
1: general, right? I think the right.
0: Pittsburgh Steelers still go to um a college local or go to La Trobe, whatever it is to, to do the training.
2: commanders to the Redskins Commanders. They train commanders. in Richmond
0: and I do still think yeah. you can just decide that you want to go now right. it's it's a bit removed. Right. Right? right. Like it's if, not twenty five. Yeah, miles, if, you, if you're a, 70, if you're living 80, in Upper Marlboro, you, right. it's tougher to wake up on a Saturday morning exactly. and say I want to go, you know, yeah, touch you gotta, the commanders. You
2: got to make plans Friday night to essentially. Do it but it's you know,
0: it's still a little bit better, yeah, I guess, than yeah. the scenario here. That it's more that it's more the grassroots side of things that they were they were <clears throat> there were players out in the community almost every night, and they weren't the mega-millionaires that players are now, so it was a Here's little bit... There's Benny
2: Thompsons, who I became very good friends with.
0: Well, and we, we talk about Tony Saragusa, eternal. Tony Saragusa was John the Baptist for the Baltimore Ravens. He was the he would show up anywhere. He was the closest thing we ever had to Art Donovan um, with the Baltimore Ravens, because he would just go show up somewhere <clears throat> and stay and, and come over, and he'd grab you by the neck, and he would make you feel warm, and there's just... It's just far less of that, which was why we partnered with Tyus and John Coulson, who was a, a very significant part of the original uh, Ravens radio shows. He and I said the community kind of misses it. It would be nice to bring that back at this point. And Tyus, thankfully, has done a wonderful job of being a part of that, and we've been yeah. grateful to do it. But like, it's it's just different. That that vibe is just a little bit different. Uh, from Tony. Tony says, Glenn, something about that second Super Bowl and it being Ray Lewis's final ride really stands out to me. The fact that he was able to go out on top, there are so few athletes in all of sports that will ever get to do that. It's sort of solidified his greatness as standing out even among other great players. Okay. I mean, I don't know that if the Ravens had lost that Super Bowl that suddenly somebody would try to poke a hole in Ray Lewis and suggest that he's not one of the greatest defensive players in the history of football or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, it was definitely – there was something more special about that, that that didn't exist the first time around, so I could see why that would be significant. Uh, and then the only person that used the word – and it's so funny, Stan, because <laughs> it's similar to what you brought up earlier. Yeah. The word that I think about constantly and what why I was so excited to watch this 30 for 30 on Sunday night – This was brought up by Ryan. Ryan says, Glenn, the first Super Bowl was impossible. It's always the word I use. And it references what five years earlier, we didn't have a team. In five years, I went from being a kid that was forced that if I wanted to watch football on Sundays, I had to watch the Washington Redskins play the Arizona Cardinals or some crap like that to winning the Super Bowl. That word I always bring up, impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It was impossible what occurred. And it wasn't really even building, as everyone remembers, the year beforehand. They went eight and eight. There were you know, there were good players here and there were some signs of hope. But this was wildly out of nowhere. That all of a sudden a city that had nothing football wise was suddenly winning a Super Bowl, and that's why it will eternally mean Like, I was on the field when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in New Orleans, right? Like, on a personal level, I was, you know, very involved. I hosted player shows that year. But as far as what it means to me, the Ravens fan, there will never be a comparison to the 2000 Super Bowl. What happened there was a miracle. A miracle that that franchise had, in such a short amount of time, gone from being the moribund Cleveland Browns to suddenly being maybe the greatest defense in the history of football and, and giving us that joy in Tampa that night. So that will eternally be my answer to that question. Continue to get me yours at Clark Radio on Twitter. We'll share some thoughts throughout the day as uh, both of those, again, the 10th anniversary of the Ravens winning the Super Bowl 47, and, of course, uh, Bullies, for Bal- Bullies of Baltimore airing Sunday night on ESPN. All right. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by, well, again, I'll keep saying, pressboxonline.com slash offers. There are so many great offers available, and look, I'm telling you, they're these not... These
2: won't gonna, all, all always be out there, I, I keep
0: trying to explain that. It's very difficult to explain. There is not a date that they've told us, hey, look, these, these offers are going to be gone come October or something. I don't know when it's going to be, but this is the way that it works. When a state legalizes sports betting, all these companies come in with these amazing offers, and then at some point... They think that they've signed enough people up. They think that they've gotten the bulk of everybody that's going to sign up for sports betting, and they move on to another state, somewhere else where they legalize sports betting. So don't miss out on free bets, on free money in some cases. Like with DraftKings, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, but you got to go to pressboxonline.com offers, click the link, and sign up right there.
2: Big, big news, by oh? the way. Oh, former glam, glam rocker Gary Glitter mm. has been freed from prison. Oh, good, good. Yeah, he's a seventy-nine he's, years. He's
0: ago. a really good guy. So sounds like it. Yeah, he's a really. Well, and you cover him on your fella. show all the time. So well, I actually have uh, gone on some really significantly. Oh, th- this is the irony uh, of this is I've gone on some diatribes over the years. Marilyn brought back rock and roll part two this season, and it bothers the hell out of me. Like it's, I, are you going to play an R. Kelly song next? Is that, is that the next plan? Like, at some point, I, I get it. The song's a bop. I understand. Everybody loves doing the na-na-na. I understand. But at some point, you've got to be willing to say, hey, there are other songs that maybe aren't made by serial pedophiles. Maybe we could choose someone else to play a song and create some tradition for. So there is irony there that I, I have gone on some lengthy diatribes about Gary Glitter over the years. We come back in. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl matchup. Uh, it's the, uh, the Chiefs are going to play the Eagles next Sunday. I'm not all that juiced about it, Stan. We're going to talk about that next. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio.
3: for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school
2: diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now and it's our annual best of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Sports Sportsperson of the Year and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the birds turnaround. Also so inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day Holiday Racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track.
6: That first
8: sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night.
2: North Point Boulevard.
7: Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at eleven forty a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show too. Back in here on
0: GCR, it is a Friday edition of the program. Stand the fan, Charles is in studio with us.
2: Did, we're we're talking off air about yes. a couple crazy stories. Yes. Did you see the one? This one last night before I went to bed. The police responded to a domestic dispute in somewhere in Florida, and sure, sounds was, about right. They yeah. got there. There was yelling and screaming going on, and they they got to the door. The police said, "Hey, it's the police. You know, open the door." And they heard this woman scream, "Just break the door down!" You know. They went in, and they got in a fight with the man. You know, and they they took him under arrest. He would apparently, as part of the fight. He had bitten the head off of a python. It wasn't Ozzy Osbourne, was it? No. He had bitten the head off of a python snake. It was the pet of the... Of the um, what the, is, the woman. Yeah.
0: They do some weird drugs in Florida, man. Yeah. They do
2: some really,
0: like, this is where the bath salts, remember, of course, the famous story of the guy eating the other guy's face off,
1: like. Oh, yeah, that was, th- that was yeah. a good one. Well, I've yeah. done. everybody's done that. <laughs> I <reckon. laughs> right, I mean, what's a, little,
0: what's a little bath salts and face biting I'm looking friends. to
2: see if the, they've, they've sort of taken it off the AOL So I, of stories. I don't know
0: why, but last night on Twitter, there was a... a like a reflection maybe it was steve Irwin's birthday or the anniversary day he died i don't know but there was some steve Irwin content going around right and there was a reminder that he was once doing a live hit on tv in australia and had a python around his neck and was (laughs) telling the lady like about how he wasn't concerned (laughs) the python's not gonna bite me (laughs) and literally five seconds later the python bites him (laughs) like the python but he's totally cool about it he's just like yeah, I think he might have gotten me. <laughs> not worried about it, not panicking in any way, not freaking out, just being like...
2: Can, let me see if I can find this story.
1: Glenn, what's the segment you do? I can't remember what day it is of the week, but I've sat in on it a few times and done it where there's like a crazy story and we have to oh, fill in the blanks. Oh, yeah. finish this. Yeah. I didn't, I
2: didn't prepare
0: to finish so this.
1: So I, I think like five or six of them, every, almost every time I've done this, this show... Is based out of Florida?
0: It's been yeah, in Florida. it typically works that way. In fact, sometimes when I need a story like that, I just
3: search... Florida, man, <laughs> right, see right. What comes up? I,
1: I specifically remember one about a sex doll outside of a condo in Florida. That's a mean, good one. I, Wait a minute! You th- promised th- not to tell <laughs> that story because <laughs> I was involved. <laughs> in it. Hey, Stan! Stan does what he does when he goes to spring uh,
6: training,
0: yeah. right? You leave him alone. Are you going this year, by the way? Yes, I am. Very good. nice. Very good. Stan will be headed down to. Uh, here's
2: the story. It's in the. This is in the New York Post. Florida man. Hang on a second. <laughs> We're going to figure there this we out. Go. Here,
0: Here we go. The Florida, Florida man Kevin, Kevin
2: J- Justin Majorga wow. bites off Pet Python's Well, you, you know what? I do think they should.
0: I do. Think sh- I, th- I, I want to make this very clear. I support impeaching him now.
1: You know what, though? I'm glad it was Mayorca's like, I'm so glad it was his. Mike yeah, Mike good. I'm glad it was his pet though. Like he didn't just <laughs> find this python ran, outside ran, and great just, point. It's got to be your python. Yeah, I actually. mean it's, it's, it's a little better, I guess. I
2: don't think yeah, it makes a, it a much better. No, this is clearly still. not the picture of the bitten yeah, it off. It can't head, be the actual python. But they they, they, they take the, <laughs> the reenactment to show of it. <laughs> a picture. This <laughs> is what the python might look like. Oh, and there he is in court.
0: <laughs> he look, you know, what, if I am being honest with you, he looks like a guy that would bite a, a head off a python. If I am being,
2: does he have a tattoo? Does I the heard judge he, look a little nervous. Yeah, like he might bit, jump over and bite I, her. Head I'll,
0: off. I'll add in. I heard Ozzy Osbourne was retiring. I am just a little bit confused as to why he moved to Florida. That part of it it doesn't check out for me. In order uh, to, I go love by. the
2: captions in these pictures. Kevin Justin Mayorga, who is being held on fifteen thousand dollars bail, is facing animal cruelty. <laughs> With intent to kill. i bet that would be animal <laughs> <laughs> animal to, to be fair, to probably, should be. Yeah, probably, probably
1: should be. Probably should be. Well, I'm just concerned about what they did with the head afterwards. Did he eat I, it? I hear it's a great delicacy. No, I was going to say. I, mean, I
0: don't even know that I want to know the answer I feel to like that some, question. Because
1: some people eat rattlesnake and all that. But yeah, I would obviously. have to assume if you eat the yeah. head of a python. Oh.
2: This guy looks like he should be put away for life. Does he have yes. an, a, Does he have probably. a neck tattoo?
1: That's the big question. Probably. Seems, if I had seems to like guess. would bite off. The head I don't of a see python. it there, but I, yeah. but I had to
2: guess
3: he probably
1: has
2: what a tattoo. What is this <laughs> mark on his face? <laughs>
0: uh, but that could have been from the scuffle. That could have been. <laughs> 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 that could have been the snake trying to get one more in before the yeah. end of the road.
3: So hey, that's a uh,
0: that's a nice
2: uplifting oh, story man. on a Friday. <laughs> I yeah. guess that was his way of telling the woman, Do you think you're getting out of here alive? <laughs> wow. Yeah.
3: Let's see what's happening here. Man.
0: Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, Biotoida.com. The Toyota all Tacoma right. comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving mm. habits. Check out Biotoida.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan, I am not feeling any juice at all about this Super Bowl. I want to make this abundantly clear. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do that. But I have no particular excitement about it. I brought it up on, on Monday's show. I get that in Philadelphia, the Andy Reid thing is probably a, a cool story. But Andy Reid's already won a Super Bowl, and the Eagles have won a Super Bowl since their departure. So it's, it, it doesn't really do all – if Andy Reid doesn't win this one, it's not proof that the Eagles I, – I, there's nothing there for me that's significant. The Kelsey brothers, very cool story, very – Super neat thing, right? We did a brother thing once upon a time with the coaches that were in the Super Bowl. We did it 10 years ago today. This is another neat one with players on both teams. It's cool, but it doesn't, you know, I'm not amped because of it. Yeah. There are two cities that have both won Super Bowls in the last five years. It's not like there's a particularly good story of, hey, you know, like if, it, if Buffalo was there, everybody in the country would say, God, these, these poor fans that have been through so much, they deserve this. They're easy to get behind. There's just nothing about this game that leaves me amped in any other way than it's the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm going to watch and bet on the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, um, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I've always felt that a little bit because Super Bowls are the only time where you got the week in between, mm-hmm. you know, which take to me takes tremendously away from the momentum. The buildup of the playoffs, and I—I I mean do to tell over me You weren't
0: glued to Marlon Humphrey playing dodgeball last night. N- no, I was not. Apparently, made the game-winning catch for wow. his team. Good Whatever. I, I guess they're doing AFC NFC again. I don't remember.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do they actually play dodgeball? They ball? played dodgeball. As,
0: Tyler part, Huntley, as part of the festivities, they, they did a quarterback competition yeah. as well. I want to make it very clear. I did not watch any of this, but Twitter did. <laughs> And Twitter, Twitter shared day. it with me, and I saw both the Tyler Huntley thing that yeah. he did well in his second place th- precision he, passing. It it doesn't mean he should be there. He sure as hell should not. But God bless him. He's there and he's enjoying his time. Um, and he did well in that thing. And apparently Marlon Humphrey made the game winning catch in the dodgeball game. Whatever, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't. Good I don't, for him. A hundred. I I like Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. But, but getting
2: back it. to the question, uh, I you know this is a very good matchup. I think it's got a chance to be a very exciting. What is the early line? Philadelphia is it moved, favored.
3: It moved a lot in the first like literally
2: two hours.
0: Really, of the, it moved. It was, was all Kansas City favored. Kansas City was favored. Okay. Then it moved to Philadelphia being favored, but it was moving
2: frequently
0: in the first couple of hours of the. Well, of l- course,
2: when I put my bet down. It- it always moves.
0: Uh, it is now Eagles minus one and a half okay. is where the number sits at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, to your point, the expectation is this is a very good football game. This is two very deserving teams. Yeah. There's still obviously a lot of questions about how healthy Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the Super Bowl. Yes, he was able to kind of gut it out in the AFC Championship game, but you could tell how limited he was. Where is Travis Kelsey with his back by the time we get to the Super Bowl?
1: Those things certainly weigh on mm-hmm. what the game is going to end up being. Yeah, I, so I think one of the cooler storylines, I guess, and I'm not amped about this game either, don't get me wrong, but I think the fact that Jalen Hurts is one of those guys similar to L- Lamar Jackson that was labeled as you know just a running quarterback, would he even be a, a early-round draft pick, would he even have success in the NFL as a passer, and he has. He's proved a lot of people wrong. I think that's the only interesting story in this game. It's
0: an interesting point. I, I guess the difficult part for me, I, and I hate saying this because it does sound like I'm taking away from Jalen Hurts, I'm not trying to. But it is measured by this might be the greatest roster ever put together in the super in the, the salary cap era. The Eagles did the thing that everyone has always talked about. You have these years before your quarterback has to come up for a contract. Maximize them. Go all in. No, you're not going to be able to keep all of these pieces once you have to pay your quarterback. So do it. Yep. Go take advantage of it. Go trade for A.J. Brown. Go – you know, trade for C.J. Gardner-Johnson go do everything you can bring in a Hassan Redick
1: everything
0: in your power to put together the best football team you possibly can before you have to pay your quarterback I think that part of this alone should be a lesson to every other team to the Jacksonville Jaguars to do everything in their power next season before they have to pay Trevor Lawrence to put the best roster on the field take chances trade away draft picks Try to maximize this opportunity that you have. The Jalen hurts part of it ends up kind of getting muddled because of that. I don't know how good Jalen hurts is. I know he's good. I, I know he's but do we think he's a top five
1: quarterback in football? Not yet. No, oh, I think he is. You think I he's, think top, he's five? top
2: five, yeah. I think he's a wonderful player. I think he's a good player and, and I think he's a wonderful leader.. You
1: know. a, do you
0: think that the Eagles would have been in this position anyway if Jared Goff was their
2: quarterback? Uh no, okay. I don't. I think Jalen Hurts is is their MVP, and I'd, I'd take nothing away from uh, the running back Miles uh, Sanders Sanders or Brown, the receiver, or uh, Dallas Devont- Goddard who's sure. gotten a lot better, or who's the other receiver Devontae, Devontae Smith Devontae Smith. Um, I, I just I think he's a wonderful player.
0: I, like, I do like Jalen Hurts. I think yeah. he's a really good player. I think he's proven himself I mean, as a, who
2: do you think are better than him? F- five quarterbacks? Uh, Obviously Mahomes. Mahomes,
0: Burrow, Allen, for sure, Herbert. Then you get into the conversation about— Herbert? Oh, definitely Herbert. Yeah, I would agree Absolutely with that. Absolutely Herbert. I, I think that the, the results of the games are conflicting the, the skill of Justin. The skill of Justin Herbert is absurd. All right. Um, and then it would be the—the conver- the, the, the group after that would be a healthy Lamar. right. Right. right what we saw from Trevor Lawrence in the second half of the season, we can't deny. Like, there is obviously something there with Trevor Lawrence. And then it's the, do you still believe that Aaron Rodgers is a really good quarterback at this point? Clearly you'd rather have Jalen Hurts long-term. Right. But do you believe that next year you'd rather have Aaron Rodgers or Jalen Hurts? He's in that Mm net. Outside, the first four to me are in, the first three are indisputable. The three, in the best quarterbacks in football are
2: indisputably Mahomes, Burrow, and Josh Allen. Those
0: three guys are in a league of their own.
2: See, then, I, di- I disagree. I thought Josh Allen played himself backwards a little bit this year. I did not think he had a great year, especially the finish of his season. I mean, I think the, it, it, there was a. Fin- there, in the last game, certainly he did not play all the way I don't think well, he but, played well the last five, six games. I, I really thought he was. I thought he receded from from the greatness label he's real good interesting but i I don't i I would take jalen hurts over him wow burrow and mahomes i might take over him wow you're bullish about jalen hurts very very
3: bullish about jalen hurts
2: very interesting i mean i
1: I have him at six i I just tend to think the other five are slightly better i don't think there's a huge difference especially between guys like herbert lamar and hurts i don't think there's a big difference (sighs) I think there's a
0: significant difference with Herbert specifically because of the throws he can make that other humans oh, it's can't unreal. make. Like yeah. he just, there are throws that it, it's not Mahomes. I want to make that abundantly clear. But you see Justin Herbert make throws sometimes where you, just, unreal. where you just say, who can do that? Like who, what humans are capable of making that throw? Um, and I don't see that specifically from Jalen Hurts. Not somebody to bring up, but his athleticism, right? Like he can do things outside of the pocket. Just, you know, Herbert's a capable outside-the-pocket player, but there are things that Jalen Hurts can do outside the pocket that, you know, only a couple of other guys, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, you know, it's a very short – Josh Allen, a very short list of players that are capable of doing some of the things that he does outside the pocket. But Herbert's arm talent is – it's so absurd, I don't know what to say about it. Like, that, how they've managed to – you know, obviously injuries have hurt them a good bit this season at the wide receiver position, but, like, and not having the right offensive coordinator – my God how they haven't managed to maximize it more is crazy to me um, I again I'm gonna watch and I do think you're right about the matchup like I think it's a good competitive matchup and could be a very good football game mm-hmm. particularly if Patrick Mahomes is a little bit more human Patrick Ma- well oh you are saying way. the other way I, I don't really want to watch Patrick Mahomes labor through a f- like if I, I'm s- I agree if I'm I want
2: sitting them, down to- I want them I want Philadelphia if they are to win to beat a very decent my it's kind of the
0: disappointing part about the nfc championship game right like it just sort of feels like they got a bit of a buy into the super bowl which doesn't mean they wouldn't have won it anyway right right you and i both picked them to to, to win despite the fact that we had picked the 49ers to go to the super bowl to begin with right i i think they would have won anyway but i would have liked to have seen them challenged i would have liked to have seen them have to beat a team that was playing at its best and i hope That's what the Super Bowl ends up being with a healthy-ish Patrick Mahomes and a healthy-ish Travis Kelsey. Because I do think it's a bit disappointing at that point. Uh, A couple of things I had on the list for you today. uh, Maryland basketball. Quietly putting something together again. Amazing. Really kind of remarkable. We had Walt on yesterday, and we were talking about the comparison to the foundation that was laid by you know of course the famous story is that Gary gives Walt all of the credit in the world right. for the foundation that he was able to lay at the University of Maryland to build off do you start to get a feeling about this team they're not going to they're not going to go to the final four they're right. not going to do anything right. crazy but do you start to get a feeling about this team that's somewhat similar that this is a special team to watch because there's a foundation that's being laid and what we've seen from Kevin Willard so far makes you believe that we'll remember this group as changing the culture of Maryland basketball. You know, it's
2: interesting. When I was a big proponent of the, that Maryland. There was really one person I wanted to coach that team for the next three, four, or five years it was John Beeline. I was a big proponent of do what it takes to go out and get beeline stabilize the you know yeah yeah, elevate the program program. go higher your but then when i when i had to admit it's like this off season with baseball i really wanted them to get jesus lizardo from Mm -hmm. the marlins but when i realized they weren't and i really wanted waka until i heard what he was looking for cole irvin is a really nice in my opinion a Mm -hmm. really nice pickup a smart pickup um I'm watching Kevin Willard this year. So, so right after I sort of said, I know Beeline's not going to take the job. Let me look at the records of these guys, and to me, Willard jumped off the pages, envisioning him with the ability to recruit out of Maryland. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think he's just done. the The recruiting hasn't been the star of this yet because he went out and got three transfers real yep. quick. To stabilize things. I mean, doing pretty special. He's going to do before. a wonderful job there at Maryland. He is a great fit. He's not going anywhere. It's not like he's looking for the next big thing. This is the big thing for him. I, I'm just tickled pink. To, I, he's won me back over fully, and the, the fact that Coach K isn't there. I'm fully back as a Maryland basketball I,
0: I'm, fan. I'm in a place uniquely with this team where I want to watch them play. Again, not because I think that they're going to do something particularly special. I think they can get into the NCAA tournament. They, yeah. You know, if they got the right matchup. Right up, now, they're they could,
2: supposedly, go, you know, they're, right, they're right. beyond the bubble even of making. At the moment, right? Yep. Like
0: yep. they, they got to win a road game at some yep. point. Like they got to yep. figure out how to do that. Hopefully, it'll be tomorrow night at Minnesota because that would be a bad one to lose. Um, but they, they should get into the NCAA tournament. They could win a game. Given the matchup, they could win a game, right? right? Like, Correct. You know, who knows? But they're not going to be – we're not going to remember this as one of the great Maryland right. basketball this is not teams of not going to be like a,
2: a, a, an incredible story. But I yeah. do
0: think it's – I like watching because it feels like I'm watching something that is setting the tone for what's to come. It feels like I'm watching the return of Maryland basketball. That's what. That, I, that's
2: exactly how I would put it, Glenn. And, and it's interesting you said I'm finding myself – Really wanting to watch. I, you know Maryland basketball for a long time from like 1969 to 2010-12 mm-hmm. when Gary left. It was appointment viewing 100%. for sports fans here yep. you had to watch the Maryland yep. game. And I'm back to that now. like I really get pissed when I don't remember just offhand. but by next year, I'll be sort of. I'll have the schedule taped yep. up, and I want to see all the games.
0: That's the way that I've been feeling about it. There's no, yeah. You didn't happen to watch the women last night by chance, did you? No, I didn't. They were on ESPN last night against Iowa. Of course, Caitlin Clark is the superstar at Iowa. Pl- scored forty points. Wow. Last night, so against Maryland, Maryland lost. Maryland lost. They battled back. They were down by like twenty. They battled back. They made it interesting late in the third quarter. But Caitlin Clark is a rock star. Like, is just insane. She's going to be the national player of the year watching that girl play is in... Like, she she shoots Steph Curry shots. Like, she shoots from the logo. There was a three she hit last night that was legitimately six feet beyond the three-point line. She just was bringing the ball up court and said, what the hell, I'll give it a shot, and <sighs> drilled it and got fouled on the play. Like, I mean, it's... That girl is insane. It is insane to watch her play if you get the opportunity. Caitlin Clark is a star. All right, uh, when we come back in, we're going to chat with the filmmakers behind the uh, Bullies of Baltimore, 30 for 30, Ken Rogers, Jason Weber, they'll join us next. That's coming up on Sunday night. Stan the Fan is here. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio.
6: Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop it.
2: The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual best-of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adlai Rutschman as our 2022 MoGaba Sportsperson of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition
7: Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out
3: buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available, like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily
7: picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark.
0: Hey Stan. Speaking of movies, you have a uh, you have any Academy Awards picks for me? Did you look over the uh, the nominees?
2: Uh, I haven't looked it over. I will be very disappointed if Colin Farrell doesn't win Best for Banshees, Actor. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was absolutely brilliant in it. Um, and uh, this guy is. Is the Christian Bale movie "The Pale Blue Eye"? Is that, that's that's for next year? I believe I that would be next year. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember the the
0: best picture nominees this year were "Top Gun: Maverick," right? Uh,
2: "Everything, Everywhere, All at Once." Right. That's going to win best picture. Everybody's saying that.
0: "A yeah. uh, Banshees in Isheren." Yeah. Um, the Fablemans, the Steven Spielberg movie.
2: Oh, oh Winman. That, that could win Best Picture of the Year. I did that
0: not see the new Avatar. It's just does not do anything for me mm-hmm. at all. First, although I will say the ride at Disney World is
8: awesome. It is, oh, it is a Avatar good ride.
0: ride. Dude, it is so cool. It is. It is not a roller coaster. It is a virtual reality kind of ride. And what they do to genuinely make you feel like you are flying through Pandora right. is awesome it is so they my my kids were you know freaking out like freaking out by how how cool it was i it was my favorite thing that we did at disney world like disney world's not for me obviously it's for the kids but as far as (laughs) like the stuff that i did it was the best by far uh the elvis movie was nominated for best picture uh, tar with um, uh, Cape Blanchett yeah. was nominated for Best Picture. All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I, I, I don't know anything about Triangle of Sadness. I don't know anything about it at Never all. Never heard of it. And Women Talking which was a Francis McDormand movie. Right. And she Her movie's always she's good. Are, yeah,
2: she's Correct. Are always good.
1: Yeah. So those are the nominees for Best Picture. I've yeah. seen exactly one movie on that list. Top Gun? And no, I uh-huh. saw All Quiet on the Western Front. because I, I It's a very straight Of all of the movies that
0: are on well, the I list. Well, I saw the
1: original one. Um, sure. And I love war movies, that kind of thing. You know, 1917, a few years ago, is kind, kind of similar to that, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I love that genre, so I thought it was fantastic. Okay. I'd give it like a 9-7. Wow. A great movie. Wow. The
2: ba- The Banshees of Inisherin is just a... Great small so the, film. I guess the only but problem. But it won't win best picture.
1: And the only
0: problem for Colin Farrell is that it seems like everybody thinks that Austin Butler is going to win for Elvis, just because that's the type of performance that always ends up winning best right. actor. Like, didn't Jamie Foxx win for Ray and? Mm-hmm. Oh God! Who? uh, Joaquin Phoenix won, didn't he, for um, the Johnny Cash movie? Right. I just feel like, for whatever reason, those musical biopics.
2: He was he was terrific. He was terrific. But Colin Farrell—it's a marvelous, marvelous performance. I
0: have. uh, I need to see some of these. (laughs) I need to spend. Like I haven't seen the Fablemans at all. I have not. I haven't seen that either. I need. I really want to see that. Yeah, and everybody says it's wonderful, and I just I haven't had an opportunity to see it whatsoever. All right, today's show brought to you by ooh, the Baltimore County Police Department. If you, someone you know may be looking for a path, perhaps struggling to find their way as a young person out of high school, cadet salary started over $30,000 a year. If you're looking for a change of pace, you're well into your career, you want to be the change that uh, we've asked for within uh, policing in the community you just maybe you're someone that's worked somewhere else as a police officer and you're ready to come back a little bit closer to home the baltimore county police department is hiring join baltimorecountypd.org is the website join no it's it's.com sorry my fault join baltimorecountypd.com is the website for you to find out more a passion for service a career for life competitive salaries Lateral officers, um, new officers started over $60,000 a year. So find out more more by going to joinbaltimorecountypd.com. As I mentioned, had to do this a little bit earlier on because of their schedules, but an opportunity to catch up with the filmmakers behind the 30 for 30 Bullies of Baltimore right here on GCR. Well, it's a pleasure now to be joined by the men behind a film that I can't wait for you guys to see on Sunday night. ESPN's 30 for 30 series continues with The Bullies of Baltimore, all about the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. And we are joined now by the filmmakers from the project. Ken Rogers and Jason Weber are with us on GCR. Guys, it's Glenn in Baltimore. Really appreciate taking the time. I, I don't know, this might end up turning into less of an interview and more of just me kissing your ass because I love this film so much. So. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes
8: with
9: us. Uh, oh, keep going. You know that's <laughs> fine. No problem. <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah, Ken, kiss Ken's ass all you want. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, we appreciate it. I'm glad you I'm, enjoyed it's, it's it. It's awesome. Thank you so
0: much, I, I, guys. Seriously, I, I guess let's let's go back to the beginning, right? Um, and 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 Ken, maybe I'll start with you. The idea for doing this and doing something more. Um, obviously, you guys had a connection with NFL Films and Hard Knocks, but. When did you start thinking about this being a project that you wanted to take on, and and what led you to making that decision?
9: You know, it, it did start kind of with hard knocks, because we remember this team in, internally here at NFL Films as – uh the creators of of that brand and and how great they were and we always talk about you know oh my gosh that footage you could just play that footage and it would get great ratings you know just just play shannon B, the shannon impersonation and and just play goose locking him in the in the trailer and restitution you, ra- ratings gold you know so it started there but then we realized looking back um that 20 22 years later, this team is really—it's uh, uh, an anachronism. It do, this team can't exist today, yep. um, in several ways. It can't exist on the football field this way. The way they played has been legislated out. You can't—you just can't hit people the way they hit people. You can't be as aggressively intimidating as them, and you can't have personalities like this trash talking the way they trash talked, The way their coach trash talked. It just doesn't exist you know 2001 the belichick era starts and the league is a copycat league and everyone starts this mentality of don't give any you know bulletin board material don't give away anything in your press conferences don't talk about the other team you know it's a it's a very um methodical way to go about the media and brian Billick and the ravens were just wild when it came to the media you know, it wasn't yes. methodical yes. so we just felt like wow it's this is a team that's that's different than anything that exists in sports right now that's a reason to to remind people
0: uh, jason I'll, I'll, I'll admit when i heard that you guys were making the 30 for 30 i said to myself wow in baltimore we're gonna love this i don't know if there's broad national appeal about the 2000 baltimore ravens and what what Ken just described to me is what makes it so fascinating. And I wonder how much you guys sort of had to deal with that like hey we would like our audience to be a little bit more than just, you know, 40-year-old white men in Baltimore. Like I imagine that you had to think about that is is that part of the story that like th- you you could not see this. This team was so unique that that that's what makes it so appealing beyond even those of us that fell in love with this team here in Baltimore 20 years ago.
8: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, if you love football and, and you love seeing kind of an aggressive style of football, you're going to love watching this team and learning about this team. But to your point of people not caring outside of Baltimore, I would say that this is a team that is made up of personalities that reach way beyond Baltimore. Every one of them, not ever, almost every one of them uh, on that were took part in the documentary launched from their play after their playing careers into national you know media personalities whether it's Shannon sharp Tony Saragusa I mean uh, obviously Ray Lewis Brian Billick, um Trent Dilfer was on ESPN for years I mean they all reached out on a national platform so I think even though the core audience is going to be in Baltimore people outside of that area know who these guys are but maybe don't know exactly what they did on the football field, and this gives them a chance to see that they are more than just talking heads.
0: Bullies Baltimore, Sunday night, 8.30 on ESPN. Cal, um, stay with Jason. I, I got to tell you, that, of course, the star of the team we know is Ray Lewis, right, the unquestioned star of the team. The star of the film, to me, is undisputed. It's Tony Saragusa. Like, he is absolutely the rock star and obviously the, the story kind of had to change. And and just weeks after you guys got everybody together, we lose Tony Saragusa. What was the impact of that for you guys as filmmakers? And and knowing I, I, I'm I i can not even explain to people until they see it. He is the center of everything to me about this movie. Yeah,
8: yeah no, you're you're absolutely right with him being the center like i think the world kind of he's the gravity base of this team everybody kind of just kind of congregates around him and you want to be around him because he's just such a, a gregarious figure and you know for him to pass just a few weeks after we shot the live event at the meyerhoff uh, symphony hall um and our interviews with him uh i think it really you know we had some questions So how do we proceed with the documentary and and we kind of all got together and watched the 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 event again and uh realized that I think watching it there was a way to make it work um and not you know and and just really be a tribute to who goose is because that's I think it comes across in the film is that just you know uh the, that it's a tribute to the team but also a tribute to him in particular and and the type of person he was.
0: I'm going to go a step beyond. We're chatting with Jason Weber and Ken Rogers. Ken, I, I, and I, I don't know that it was your guys' intent. To a Ravens fan, I believe this film is a love letter to Tony Siragusa in a lot of ways. And I don't know if that's what you wanted it to come across as, but I'm telling you, it genuinely left. And I, you know, I knew Tony really well, and you know he. Everybody in this city has a Tony Siragusa story. But <laughs> I, did you feel a little bit that as you were putting the project together that in a number of ways this almost was a love letter to Tony?
9: Yeah, and it was discussed here often. Like, Dude, should, geez, should we should we tell people up front who might not know that this happened, this big event happened right beforehand? And um, as Jason said, when we watched it, we realized that i mean i don't know i don't want to get into the spiritual if somehow he sensed that an ending was coming but he was in such a great mood Mm -hmm. and was so friendly towards everyone on the crew and at the meyerhoff he was expressing his love straight out love for everyone there his teammates the people behind the scenes that in the end the film is 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 an elegy for him, you know, and that's that's sort of like a poem written after someone has passed away. And and that's kind of appropriate for this. It's it shows you Tony's point of view on how to live life.
5: Mm, mm, you know? That's so well
9: sad. And, and you watch it, I think one of the things you come away from this film feeling is, you know, I should embrace life the way Tony did because it can go any day
0: you're gonna make you make me emotional again
9: uh, just just, just as it did it did for tony and yet he look at him a month before it all ended he was he was enjoying his friendship and you know maybe we should all do that a little more often
0: that's really powerful um uh, it cannot stay with you i of course there's one particular story that involves um, a bodily function, and I'll, I'll let people find out on Sunday night what that is. But my question becomes, was there anything in particular that you had no choice but to leave out because there was just no way that ESPN would let you get away with it?
9: The answer is no. Okay. Um, we, we, we knew going into this that this is not a, a team that's going to uh, make everything PG um you know and and we were going to show that and that's sort of the the hard knocks feel Mm -hmm. of this show and of that team is they're very r-rated in that they're not going to change who they are it's not that they're purposely you know out there trying to be profane it's just they're not going to stop being who they are they're very true to themselves um and there's a couple examples in the film where you say wow like they there's no there's nothing held back tony talking about um you know needing an enema you know i'll <laughs> leave it at that but that's the that, that's the i mean if you if you don't want to watch the film yeah, after I, me teasing that i, I don't
0: know, know i don't know what else film. you could be asking for I, I mean, by the way the, be
9: an enema story. the
0: only thing better than that and it's such a throwaway is you finding the footage of john madden saying the goose Either needs a little less head or a little more helmet, which more I'm helmet. telling you yeah. is my favorite line. I mean, like, it's just per- – it's both of them – it's so perfectly met. like everything about that line just makes me smile in a way that I can't possibly describe. It's of everything. It's such a throwaway. It's my favorite moment in the film.
9: It, and it's it, true too. Right. I mean, the shot you and, look at, and, and that's like, what makes it so perfect. It's we're all seeing the same thing. Like, yeah, like seeing. Madden's right. That helmet does not fit. Yeah, it's a giant
0: man. <laughs> it's with Fantastic. With and tiny... there's a lot of
9: moments like that that we discovered that were were very human, very, you know, sometimes profane. Um, my favorite, you know, is the fact that after the divisional game against the Titans, Coach Billick yep. told all of us at NFL Films to turn our cameras off. And we did. We turned all our cameras off, except 22 years later, we realized that the audio kept running. Yep. <laughs> and so in this film um, and at the event, you get to hear what was said when Billick said, turn the cameras off. Um, and they're the happy circumstances that happen as filmmakers. Sometimes you just wait. Oh man, we turned our cameras off. Why did we do that? Wait, what about the audio? Right. Well, wait, the audio still exists. Literally, it was in a vault here at NFL Films that we went and found and said, "I wonder if they kept rolling the audio." And they did. And it it becomes a little magical moment.
0: I, I got to be honest with you. We've, of course, it's been a, that particular line, and and everybody knows it's it's f the Titans. Everybody knows that. I'm not giving <laughs> anything away um we've known about it for years but jason like i had forgotten that right afterwards
8: he says but remember
0: always respect your opponent
8: <laughs> he knows how to turn that back and be respectful uh, when appropriate that, that, that's the magic of coach right so there.
0: brilliant so brilliant um uh, jason of course you know there's there's the awkwardness obviously of telling the ray lewis story right and and what set up everything and i know that part of that is you know, Ray has not been particularly interested in talking about it um, years later. You guys obviously used the footage from then to address it and um, weave in the story about um, his, his love of the movie Gladiator and all that, but it, as a filmmaker, knowing it's part of the story, knowing that someone who sits down to watch a film wants that included, um, how do you handle all of that when it comes to Ray Lewis in Atlanta?
8: i think it's something that we had to address in the film but i also think in in the context of how did that affect that team because this wasn't a film about that whole story that could be a separate documentary in itself um but it's i think you know ken and myself and eric powers a producer It was kind of it was how do you work that into the context of that team that season and like as you mentioned taking on that gladiator persona um, and winning the crowd, right? That was his big thing was he, you, you need to win the crowd and you win your freedom. And, and I think that was a, a powerful line from him about that that we used to kind of you know, set that all up. But and I don't think we shy away from discussing the, the backstory as well. But I think, again, it was all within kind of the context of how did that affect that team and, and how did they support him and, and how did they you know, help him through what he was dealing with at that time.
0: Jason Weber, Ken Rogers, just another couple of minutes. Again, Sunday night, 8.30 on ESPN, the Bullies of Baltimore. Um, Jason, was there anything that you were, you were forced to leave out? Like just, you know, time constraints being what they are, all of this new footage that you now have from the event you guys did and all the interviews that you shot. Was there a story from the season, a player you wanted to highlight, something like that? You said, man, I, I was maybe a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to go there.
8: Yeah, I mean, look, the the event that we shot was uh, again in the Meyerhoff last May was over two and a half hours long. And there was a lot of great stories that were a part of that event. Uh, The great thing about it and the fact that this is not only on ESPN, but uh, ESPN Plus, where you'll get to see kind of the the more uncensored version of the documentary. Um,
0: I guess it just field, struck me that I watched the uncensored yeah. version of the documentary.
8: <laughs> yeah, 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 And look, there's certain things that we can't air on ESPN, but the the full full version that you got to see will be on ESPN plus. Cool. Um, but also, um, because we shot a two and a half hour event that we had to condense into a documentary, uh, we talked to ESPN and said, hey, look, is there a way that we can show the event in its entirety? And we didn't get the end in its entirety, but we basically will have an hour long version of the live event that will air on ESPN plus called checked out called it's called the Brazen Ravens. So some of the things that got left out of the film will end up being you get to see on the uh, stage show.
0: That's really cool. And do, do we know when people will be able to see that?
9: That
8: I drops the same I think time, it drops right? The same night. Oh, that's yeah, awesome!
9: I think
0: Sunday night. Oh, so you can watch the doc and then flip over right afterwards, and and watch. oh, that's so cool. That is so cool and on Sunday night as well. That's really awesome, and it works out that way. Selfishly, I would maybe encourage people that it might be worth waiting a little bit longer to watch the uncensored version because it is so truly worth it. Um, it, it, as I wrap up, Ken, I just my my thought about this entire team. You bring up earlier how kind of impossible like this this entire circumstance was and that we never see anything quite like it. One of those parts is that, I don't know, th- there was a love. There was, you know, we, we talk about the famous ESPN, the jacked up segment, right? There was a love for this type of thing. And and I think most people agree with the idea of needing to protect player safety, things along those lines. But do you sense that there is still like, hey, we, we kind of miss defense. We kind of miss... This part of football and that part of this story is kind of telling that, you know, that it is there is still a love and appreciation for, you know, the defensive side of the ball a little bit.
9: Yeah. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that um, both things are true, that that we as a league and, um, you know, people who play the game, the players, the coaches and the fans want to see tough football, hard hitting football but they also don't want players to forego their safety and their long-term health. I mean, I I think, I think there's this argument all the time of, well, that's, that's real football or no, that's terrible football because people got hurt. You know, in, in this world, we don't like to work in the grays that much, but, but this team proves that, that, there is a gray area that you can you can play really hard and really care about others you know they didn't they weren't out to hurt people and they don't want each other to be hurt this was a bounty they, gate right yeah there's genuine love between them and everything and and I, I i think i think everyone who loves football loves the difficulty of the sport the the, the hard-hitting aspect of it and at the same time there's some things that used to happen that shouldn't happen anymore, and I think this is this is that type of team where you look back and you say that was really fun, and it was probably not the smartest it's you know thing to, to allow things, and that's okay. Yep. You know, like that's that's called evolution. That's called you know learning from the past. And I think um, fans have done that. I think players have done that, and the league continues to try to do that. That's well said.
0: And you might have forgotten there was a particular running back who, um, who said no Moss, who uh, did his own Roberto Duran at one point during that season, and that was a fun reminder to get during the film as well. Um, Jason, is there anything else that I can plug for you guys? Obviously, we want everybody to watch Sunday night, uh, Bullies of Baltimore at 8.30 or on ESPN+. Plus. But is there anything else I can plug for you guys? And, you, know, you guys are constantly pumping out projects with NFL films. Is there something that's next? Nah-
8: Oh, it's a big time of year for us because we've got, you know, obviously this push to Super Bowl. So uh, road to the Super Bowl is a big one for us that airs uh, on Fox. It's essentially the kickoff to uh, the pregame show on Super Bowl Sunday. And that's kind of a long look back at the NFL season. So I would highly recommend uh, watching that. Awesome.
0: Uh, Jason Weber, Ken Rogers, I, I truly cannot tell you how much I enjoyed the film. Uh, absolutely incredible job you guys did and, and weaving through, you know, old footage, new footage. I'm just spectacular. Everybody in Baltimore is going to truly enjoy their Sunday night. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Congratulations on, on what it will, I have no doubt be wildly successful and, uh, and really thought of appreciate you doing
3: this.
8: Wow. Thank you so much. We're excited for everybody to see it.
0: Yeah, thanks for watching. Jason Weber and Ken Rogers from NFL Films. They are the men behind Bullies of Baltimore, which you will see Sunday night, 8.30 on ESPN. really think you guys are going to love watching this film. Um, I think You probably love watching any film that was made about the, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, but this one just happens to be done in a really, really good way. So I look forward to you guys seeing it. All right, winding down here on a Friday edition of GCR. Stan the Fan Charles has been in studio with us all throughout the morning. What else is going on in your world these days, Stan the Fan? What else are you interested in?
2: Um, made my made my plans to get down to spring training. It's good. I'm uh, doing a lot of uh, research on um, doing a lot of research, getting ready for fantasy baseball. Okay. That's that's my world
0: because you're in a, a fairly high dollar league. Uh,
3: yeah. Fantasy baseball yeah.
2: is it? Is it a keeper league? Is it a? Yeah, you okay. get uh, you get as many as eight keepers, and if you were good enough to like have taken Adley Rutschman, uh, uh, that's a bad example. Uh, Gunnar Henderson two years ago mm-hmm. or something in the ultra, you're able to keep three zero players, which means that they were players that hadn't appeared in the major leagues. So if I had Gunnar Henderson last year, I would have been able to play him in the majors this last year, Those you know, from August 31st, and I'd get to keep him this year. But if he hadn't appeared in the majors and he was still a hot prospect, like Grayson, somebody could have taken Grayson, and he's a zero. If he's not on the major league roster opening day – you can keep them as a zero. Otherwise, the clock starts running. So, okay. It makes the team. So if you're if you want Grayson. To be a part of your team for the next few years, you're hoping he doesn't make the opening sure, day roster, sure, because you get to keep him around, can, right? Yeah, I get to keep him. So
0: take, so you, okay, this is interesting to me. The draft for you is more about finding prospects that
2: are still available. There's a lo- there's a big portion of it. We have we don't do a draft. We do an auction, right? Okay. Where every player gets two hundred and sixty dollars to buy their their twenty three players. We then have an eleven-round ultra um, ultra list that we create, and that includes like last year, I picked Johnny Cueto because he wasn't on the um, White Sox roster on opening day, okay. but yeah. I knew I knew by May first, yeah, and he it turned gonna... out to be a great pick. Right, and you have all eleven of those players; they are arbitrarily given a five-dollar value. Okay, so you're looking to mix and match. Some guys that might be coming back from an injury that you think will be around pretty soon. You also want to be able to acquire three or four zero players like the Gunners that you can then use if you're in contention to win come the trade deadline. You've got Gunnar Henderson as a trade weapon. So
3: is Colton
0: Cowser someone that would somebody be in that? Has, somebody has him on? Somebody already had. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, that they boy, took him last year. No chance of him being on the major league roster at that point. So that's right. how far. So you're you're really
2: got to be. Would this be like? Would somebody? I'll, I'll be is, honest with is you. Is somebody going to
0: draft Jackson Holiday this year? No question about it. Kay. No question
2: about it. And I, I'll tell you, it's one of the one of the reasons I'm not a mm-hmm. better player. It's one of the things I fail at. Now I've. At the age – I'm 71 now. The last three years I've finished second, third, second. Okay. Okay? That's a pretty good run. Yeah, particularly after.
0: considering you, you know, all your guys always get hurt. Yes, yeah, right? yes. They stop getting hurt <laughs> well, a good. little bit. A little bit.
2: Yeah. Um, but one of the things I haven't done as well, and it'll be like my ode to – or my homage to the veteran players in my league or some of the younger ones too, I have not played that game. I've always said – Give me a, a major leaguer that wasn't dra- uh, okay. bid on in the auction. Like one year I took my first – what's the pitcher from Minnesota that, that they've signed to a three-year contract, like a $20 million, Randy Dobnik. Oh, uh, yeah. After, yeah. I said, yeah. boy, he's still available. So I took a, a star player with my number one pick in ultra, because that's a draft. That's on an auction, the okay. ultra portion. But then I circled back my number two pick. I missed out on a player by one. Uh, I wanted to get this guy Danny Espino, who's like considered Cleveland. like yeah. Cleveland pitcher. It was two years ago, and the guy before—oh no, it was it wasn't that? It was Logan Gilbert. Okay, he took, mm-hmm. and I said, Sh- "Shit!" I lost Logan <laughs> Gilbert. I said, "Damn it!" I'll pick Randy Dobnik, and it was one of the worst ultra picks early ultra picks you could make so uh, you don't want to give it away because somebody could be listening to this i'm gonna say is there somebody that you
0: have circled at this point but i don't you know
2: my my work is just beginning all right i all may right. i may in fact enlist the help of, of zach goodman <laughs> zach <laughs> he goodman. is a scout right is a like, scout. this is
3: his uh, area of expertise yeah. this is this, this is a future general might,
5: manager m- might I,
0: have I some inside right. might have some inside information right. that maybe he could uh, share with you you might have to tip him though you might have to tip him if he ends he knows up finding I'll do you, that. He you that, he knows you, I'll you do that you find somebody for him. Uh when is the draft? When is the March twenty
2: sixth. Okay. All right. All right. Sunday, March twenty sixth.
0: Let's. Uh, I, did you do a tidbit for today? Uh, I did not
2: is do that, a tidbit, but I had trivia. You have trivia. You know, you right, I, we'll do, I. We'll do trivia. That's I.
1: Fine. My. My mind did not even go to tidbit. It's all good, um, man. So I'm sorry about that. All good.
0: Uh, we'll call it tidbit anyway, and it's going to be brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, and of the hundreds of locations around town. Where you find PressBox, read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Adley Rutschman, our Mo Gabba sportsperson of the year, is on the cover. And only for you know, 10-ish more days that you will be able to go get this one before the next print issue of PressBox. Next Friday, we'll tell everybody who's on the next cover of PressBox. In fact, that will be on newsstands at that point. Uh, what you got for
1: us? Glenn, given that we have the Orioles season right around the corner here um, and them. that I am on the bat around, I figured that I would do an Orioles question all for right. you. So I would like you, Glenn, to name the... Well,
3: Stan, Stan gets to do this, too. Oh, Stan's doing this, too. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, this didn't
1: I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh, then you guys will do very well. If it's easy, I'll do this it. Is, yeah. This yeah. is moderately easy. Moderately easy. Um, I would like you guys to name the Orioles war leaders every year from 2000 to 2010. And this is B-War.
0: Jesus. 2000 to 2010? Yeah, why not? Throw a bunch oh, of names there. Oh, there could be some brutal
1: names yeah, I mean, on this ta- list. Tejada? Ta- 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 Miguel yeah. Tejada is the 2004 war leader at 7.4. I'm just going to guess that Maybe a Nick Marcakis in there? Nick Marcakis is in here one time, uh at the year of two thousand eight, seven point four war Nick Markakis. Chris
2: Davis multiple times. Chris Davis was 2010. In, in the
1: two thousand ten thirteen Davis was. So So I'm past I'm past that yeah. pa- right. So just from two thousand Adam Jones? Back. Adam Jones did not, not leave. That, that's actually not surprising. Jones no. Jones actually never led the yeah. Orioles in yeah. War. Yeah, Brian Roberts. Brian Roberts does come on in one one time on this list in two thousand and five at 7.3 first part of the 2000s. That's the real Th- there's issue. There's one with or two this. names on here that make it difficult, but the rest of them you should be, they're all should should be Are able they to are go. they all position players? Uh they're not all position so players. So Daniel Cabrera. Daniel Cabrera is not a Sydney Ponsone. No. How about uh Eric, Bedard. Eric Bedard. Yeah, Eric Bedard is on here yeah. at 2007. Five point eight WAR for Aaron so That Godard.
0: still doesn't address the early portion of the decade that I'm
3: struggling.
2: That
1: is not about. the only pitcher on the list, by the way.
2: Is is a is a relief pitcher one of them? There is uh, Jorge yes, Julio.
1: Yes, there is a relief pitcher. Jorge Julio. Uh, he is not it. Chris, Chris Ray. No. Really I will p- give you. I will give you part of this though. That he didn't relieve for his entire career. I will say that he did a little bit of both. Didn't relieve for his entire career. God, who are we leaving out?
2: How about Rodrigo Lopez? No. I mean, that's
0: a good one.
1: This is probably the hardest name on the list, if, I <laughs> if I'm being what, honest. this pitcher? Yeah, the, this guy. And there's another pitcher on here as well that is a pretty easy one. Uh, still two more pitchers that are on this yes, list. Yes, sir. Yep.
2: Jesus Christ. This is 2000 to 2010.
1: Oh, actually, you know what? There's three pitchers left. have the gotten... hell? <laughs> and I can give you the years if you'd like.
2: I mean, I don't know how much it's going
0: to help us. I think, the... I,
1: I think if I give you one year, it will definitely help. Okay, what Year 2000 messina mike messina yeah. is on his messina, list okay. year 2000 at 5.6 oh,
2: you were right about it's that possible <laughs> mercedes Jose, Jose mercedes. Mercedes.
1: mercedes is not but that's a good guess i think he would he would have been like oh three or something willis roberts no god another so one of the guys started for the orioles one of the guys was and i have to check on this but i believe mostly a reliever bj ryan uh, not bj ryan
2: God, I, I, that would have been a good one.
1: This year that I'm talking about, he started 19 of 19 games for the Orioles. But later on in his career, he only came in and uh, started 12 games out of the 34 he pitched in that year. And that was uh, two years later. So he mm-hmm. wasn't always a starter for the Orioles. Wasn't always a starter for the Orioles. Later pitched for Arizona later pitch brad f- bergeson brad bergeson glenn no. that's a good guess Jeez, T- 2009 3.3 3. that just shows you how bad the orioles were in yeah. 2009 yeah uh they only won 60 i only got that by the arizona thing by the way that's yeah. the yeah. only <laughs> part yeah. of that that got me to brad bergeson 64 wins uh for the orioles in 2009 so yeah pretty oh, pretty right. telling pretty that team. brad yeah. bergeson was the the war leader
2: okay but, um n- not that not that kid newman uh, no, David Newman. Oh, damn! Is that no. his name? Wow, is that David, his name? David Newman. Yeah, that, that was his the, name, right? The, yeah, the son of the yeah, Los the, Angeles exactly. writer. Uh, or Newhan, Newhand New New David Newman New,
1: You have exactly one, two, two guys left. Two guys left. That's all we have. One, left is two. one was a well, is Melvin Mora? Melvin Mora is two times on this list, so he came in at 2002 and 2003, and obviously you've got Tejada already, uh, he was on this list twice, Brian Roberts was on this list once, uh, Bedard, Nick Markakis, Brad Bergerson, and Mike Messina, now you still have, oh, you still have two guys left, my mm. counting skills are horrible. Apparently. Um, and well, this list is like, it's, it's so, And one so of, many- One of the two guys is a pitcher. Yes, correct. It, so let me work on the position play mike bordick no and the year was 2001 so you're in the right ballpark with the 2001. year not Derek lee no hmm.
3: 2001
0: could have still been brady anderson
1: uh no he was in uh, 99 actually though so pretty close uh, this Get guy, this guy, Jeff th- Conine. Jeff Conine was the position more leader in yeah, 2001. two thousand one. Two point nine WAR again. Just goes Jesus to show you Christ. how bad the 2001 two thousand one Orioles
2: were. War. That's
3: There's cool. a chance that
0: Cal
1: Ripken wasn't that far <laughs> behind in two thousand one.
0: To be honest,
1: <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And then the
0: other one was a pitcher.
1: And that you have one year left, which is two thousand ten. And is that a relief pitcher or a starter? So I'm gonna. I'm going to make sure he didn't start any – or I didn't relieve any games. I don't believe he would uh, it's have. It's not George Sherrill. Yeah, he started uh, every game this year. In so 2010.
2: 2010.
0: 2010.
1: Played four years in Baltimore, uh, also with Cleveland and Kansas City in his career. Oh, Jeremy Guthrie. Jeremy Guthrie. Jeremy Again, Guthrie. Again, I should have gotten <laughs> – that one's a little bit more shameful. Because Jeremy Guthrie was actually a – a it's quality yeah, major league baseball, baseball
0: yeah. pitcher. And so I shouldn't
1: have yeah. needed all that much to get the jam. I'm job. really uh. surprised you guys got Jeff Conine. Because if it had been me, well, I it would. wasn't
2: you guys. It was Glenn. Well, I, mean, <laughs> in fa- I
1: forgot Melvin Mora.
0: I, in fact, you're, you're I, just, was... t- the 2000, the early 2000, and Conine, I came back, as you remember. Like, the, the early 2000 Orioles, it could have been Delino DeShields. Sure, You know yeah. what I mean? Like, anybody. It could have been anybody. God, who was, it could have been Gary Matthews Jr. <laughs> at some point. Like, they were
2: just
3: Hell, God! It was hell.
2: All right, that was a um, that was one of the worst trades the Orioles made. <laughs> was the trade that led to our acquisition of Gary Matthews Jr. Was, we traded Jason Worth oh, to right. Toronto for John mm. Bale, mm. and then I think we traded Bale a year later for Gary Matthews. What Jr. happened to, to Jason Worth in Toronto? How did he get to Washington? It's a good. I don't know. He was a free agent. He went oh, he, he went okay. from the Dodge he went from Toronto to the Dodgers. Okay. Got a little run there. Didn't he go to Then f- went to Fi- Philly, went yeah. to Philly. Interesting. Interesting. He was on okay. the He Toronto, was on the- went from Baltimore to Toronto to the Dodgers to the Phillies. And he became a really right. solid player. He was he and, was on the World Series team in Philly. Oh, you're right. right? Yeah, yeah. And, and what? And oh, then they oh, put nine, their yeah. stake oh. in the ground. Right. The Nationals, Mike Rizzo, and signed uh, Worth for a while. Yeah, right. Money. He, he was with Philly for a while. That's because yeah. they had I their outfield thought. was Worth, Pence,
0: and Victorino, wasn't it? I mean, it was a hell of an outfield yeah. that they yeah. had
2: together in
3: Philly for that World Series run. I'll
2: never forget Hunter Pence. I'm talking to her, her Jane's uncle. We're driving around, and he lived in Philly. And we're talking about Hunter Pence, mm-hmm. and I get off the phone, and Jane goes, "Who's this? This? What are you referring to? This underpants?"
0: <laughs> Hunter Pence, and she
2: right. wasn't being funny. <laughs> I <laughs> get it. Goes, "What are you I talking get it. about with I underpants?" Get it. Took me a minute, I get but I got it. it.
0: I get it, uh, Stan. I'm not. I I put together for you know we do in every print issue a press box. Yeah, do the I, I do the 15 every right. month, and for next month the topic is begrudgingly respected rivals. Kind of in honor of Tom Brady a little bit, begrudgingly respected rivals. So I'm not going to ask you who you think is on my list because opinions are always going to vary from mm-hmm. person to person. I know I'm going to have to tell you have to block out Mike Shishovsky because you love Mike Shishovsky. Right. It's not a begrudging respect. You love the guy. Right. I love the guy. Who would be on your list as a Baltimore sports fan? That's a great of question. begrudgingly
2: respected rivals. I know Tony Oliva. Okay. Would be on my list. He used to just, uh, he just used to devastate us all the time. Um, I think I'd, I think I'd, you, you gotta, it got to be a bunch, a fair number of, if it's a 15, mm-hmm. c- going to be a couple of Yankees like Derek Jeter. Not, I, I didn't include yeah. Jeter. And I yeah. only, for mine. And I, if you, it's only, How about Pettit.
0: It was Mariano. 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 Yeah, yeah, definitely going to make the yeah. list. Yeah. Absolutely made my list. 100% um, Mariano. There was one other Yankee that made my list. I'm, I don't want to give everything. I think I told, said it yesterday. Bernie <laughs> Williams made my list. Bernie well. Williams. Like, what the he was... hell is there not to the like yeah, about Bernie? Like, my, for
3: God's sakes, yeah. it's Bernie
0: Williams that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah.
2: At first, Don I Mattingly would be somebody that would be on okay. my list okay. in modern-day baseball. Sure. Sure. I mean, Yogi Berra. Could make and my go Yeah. My list is an accordion that goes right. right. like and this. I and I said at the beginning, this is m- yeah. m- this is more yeah. about me. I'm not I don't yeah. think
0: sometimes I try to reflect the greater fan base uh-huh. if I could, but I get it. Everybody's gonna have different opinions about things. I
2: think you have to have some begrudging respect to to that, there are some that, that there Indian, that group of Indians, like Tommy from '97, you're yeah. thinking, yeah, even Bell. I didn't put. I didn't put, I didn't an put anybody
0: like. Th- I just didn't think about the rival part of it right. enough there to put any right. of those guys. But you're not wrong. Right? Like you're not wrong. There's yeah. a couple names on my list that I know nobody will agree. I'll give one. Jose Batista is on my list. I figured really? That I've wow, you yeah. and I have talked about Jose Batista before. I yeah. just don't feel. Look, I I booed Jose Batista because it was fun. Right. But he was a jerk, but he was I terrific. I liked ball watching ball. him play. Yeah. I liked that yeah. he had fun playing baseball. I like I remember you and I and Cal Ripken having a conversation about getting kids involved with baseball. And I was like, I don't I think the bat flip thing works yeah. for a new generation of fans. And Cal kind of begrudgingly saying, Look, I don't want to fight about that. I, I, yeah, I
2: it, get it. Yeah. Like
0: I'm I want guys to have fun playing baseball too. I like that Jose Batista was having fun playing baseball. there was, And I get it. Everybody hates him. I understand. It's very unique to my list, and nobody else is going to like that. But I liked watching someone have fun play baseball. Yeah. He pissed me off, of course, plenty, too. But I just... Those those things were things that I enjoyed.
1: I just it, want...
2: Ichiro might be one. I couldn't count him as a rival. I just love... It. Like, Ichiro right. is someone
0: I love so much that I don't even okay. think of him as a rival, right? Like, he's just... I, I worshipped at the altar of watching Ichiro play baseball. Right. He's...
2: Yeah. It, Steve, you know, early on, um, Brunel, Mark Brunel, Mark Grunel, wow, yeah, I and Steve. I was going to say Steve McNair, but I, then he played for the right, Ravens. Right, and, and you know, it's funny.
0: Both yeah. McNair and Mason were guys that I considered, but I was like, I, right,
1: it, it, right, it, I can't because they
0: ended up right, becoming Ravens. Right. But
1: there is a Titan that made the list. I have two to throw Eddie in here, right? actually. Yeah, 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 Um Just wanted to throw them in. Yep, uh, Mike Tomlin, definitely. He's, he's on my. And list. I don't know if it's even really begrudgingly for me. Like I, he's just, just a hell of a coach. Generally respect just, Mike Tomlin. I, I, I really like I, you Mike know what, Tomlin. I, oh god,
0: I'm giving away too much. I'm, I will, I will read you what I wrote for Mike Tomlin. Okay. The Steelers have had two head coaches during their rivalry with the Ravens. Most Ravens would describe one of these coaches as quote a sniveling prick unquote and the other <laughs> as a hell of a coach unquote. Yeah. And that's despite the fact that the latter tried to trip Jacoby Jones on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's true. We hate Bill Cowher. We hate Bill Cowher in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But every single one of us, when you bring up the name Mike Tomlin, says the exact same thing back. That dude can coach. Yeah. Like, that guy can coach. He is man. truly great. I there mean, is, uh, there is, is so much respect for Mike Tomlin within this fan base.
1: Um, the other one I have is.
0: Joe. And there should probably be more respect for Bill Cowher, but just we hated is Bill Belichick Cowher. Is
2: Belichick on your list? Yeah. He's got a big.
1: Yeah, de- definitely. Uh but Joe Thomas of the Browns is another an one. I just
0: never I guess I've never thought about the Browns as a rival, right?
3: Because yeah, the that's ra- fair. they were that's always fair. the, the an nail to the Ravens. O- but it's it's a it's a, yeah. it's a
1: great point.
0: There's no doubt that Joe Tom Th- yeah. it's a good answer because Joe Thomas is a guy that just did his damn job. Like that's all he ever did. What would you hate about Joe Thomas? You would just tip your cap and say that dude was a hell of a player, man. Like that guy was a damn good It Who was player.
2: a tight end on those really good Titan teams? The guy who played in Maryland, I Frank think. Frank Wycheck. Yeah. yeah absolutely. I, I would begrudgingly respect Wycheck. That's a good... That's Probably a good not a, on the this same was, level. This was
0: also inspired by last week. Do you know do You know, there is a legitimate chance that the first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens in this year's NFL draft could be Joey Porter Jr.? Yeah. That is a real, real possibility. possibility that exists. And What's your defensive back? He's a cornerback at Penn State. At Penn State, and
3: it would be one of the wildest stories.
0: Yeah. Now Zach doesn't understand that, right? right? But like, dude, was I, I'm hated. sitting over here clueless. He has yeah. no idea why it would be one of truly the wildest stories in the history of Baltimore sports if Joey Porter Jr. Became. I do not. Right. And I realized that because I was having this conversation with Griffin, and Griffin had like he just didn't it didn't mean anything to him at all. I was like, there is no, we hate Joey Porter.
3: Todd Heap wouldn't talk to Joey Porter Who, for
2: years. Who's the player that we cut and the Steelers? James Harrison. Is he on your no. list? Yeah. And is Ben Roethlisberger on your list? Uh,
1: just, just because uh, of the other stuff. Dustin oh, Pedroia, okay. by the way, uh, I think has to he make it. He originally was yeah. on my list, but the Machado okay. stuff. Yeah, uh, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, he's on
2: my list. I get it. But, I, it. I, but I've probably named 30 people already. It, right. my, my dad the, just chimed he, in here and says Heinz yeah? Ward, uh, which no. is the uh, absolute I don't know, Ward.
0: Yeah. Heinz Ward smiling after he tried to lay somebody out in the middle. of <laughs> No chance Heinz Ward was making my list. The hell of a player. Nobody's debating that he's a hell of a player. Yeah. But there was n- all of the.
1: He was an artist when it came to cheap shots, like just like uh, everyone's favorite Adam Jones in Baltimore, the Bengals Adam Jones. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> definitely makes, make makes everyone's list. that guy that wasn't going to make a list.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll leave everything else. You can go read about it in the next uh, print issue of Press Box, But it was. Beju- I just wanted to hear some of your and some of yours that you brought up. Definitely were guys that were on my list. There's no doubt about it. All right. Uh, here's what's coming up this weekend. Tubular is brought to you by. Ooh, it's brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com/slash/offers. Where right now, if you have not signed up for all of the various sports betting options in the state of Maryland, there is still free money to be made. Like if you bet $5 at FanDuel, you get $150 in free bets guaranteed. Go to pressboxonline.com offers right now. And gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org 24-7 for free confidential services. Here's what's coming up this weekend. Would you believe college lacrosse season gets underway this weekend? Straight shoot. Maryland is at home tomorrow against Richmond. Uh, Navy is at home tomorrow against Mount St. Mary's. And again on Sunday against Queens University, who moves to a Division I this year and that's it that's it for local oh no johns hopkins is at uh jacksonville tomorrow night as well college hoops this weekend maryland minnesota nine o'clock tomorrow night on big 10 network morgan state is playing in the legacy classic it's an event that michael b jordan put together and it's going to be on tnt from up in newark tomorrow at one o'clock as well uh loyola's at home tomorrow at five o'clock against boston university everything else go to glenclarkradio.com and find it there Uh, Of course, the 30 for 30 airs on Sunday night, 8.30 on ESPN, Bullies of Baltimore. You can check that out. The Pro Bowl, if you have nothing to do with your life or whatever the Pro Bowl is at this point, is on ESPN and ABC Sunday at 3. The Senior Bowl is tomorrow on NFL Network at 2.30. And the NHL All-Star Game is tomorrow at 3 on ABC uh, Pedro Pascal is hosting Saturday Night Live with Coldplay as the musical guest tomorrow night. Everything else, go to com and find it there.
2: just wanted to, because I, I sent an email to Ryan Eichenbrode, the Eichenbrode, SID yeah. uh, over at Loyola, just want to remind folks out there, February 11th, which is no, a not week tomorrow, from this Saturday, uh, Maryland will be University of Maryland lacrosse will be at Loyola. No, what time's no. that game? Uh, one it's o'clock? a 1 o'clock game, if one I remember o'clock. correctly.
0: It's an er- I know it's an early afternoon yeah. game. I'll double check if it's 1 or 2. Excited to noon. see that game. I did, I think I told you, I did. Maryland played a fall ball event in Sparks at the USA lacrosse facility, and I, I called that game, and there was, at, a, at like 9 in the morning, a massive overflow crowd for that game because Maryland coming up and playing this way. Yep. Is a big deal, so yep.
2: expect there to be a huge crowd. Even though it'll be cold, it will be cold. What type of uh, team does uh, Charlie have this year at Loyola? More
0: defensive uh, laden team. They're going to try to build that way this season. They got to replace their goalie. So no big playmaker. Like mm, certainly not a Pat Spencer yeah. type. Not you know nothing like that. But this is more of like the 2012 team that ended up winning a national title. I'm not saying that this is what Loyola is going to do this year where they are going to be more about playing defense. Their stars are defensive players. Peyton Razanka, Cam Wires are superstars. So uh, they're going to try to win that way, and we will see Maryland, of course, is Maryland. They're going to be really good, despite the fact that they lost Logan Wisnowskis, like... They've got the best base off guy. and Well, I don't know if he's the best, but one of the best base off guys in the country. They've you got, got a experience. big
2: transfer story, don't they, Maryland? Um,
0: not Somebody this year, that, like, actually. Like no? they, not, not like last year when they had all of these star oh, transfers right. coming in. Um, Dante Trader, the football player, is going to play lacrosse this year as well, which is a big story there. Um, Xavier Arline is going to play for Navy, who's their quarterback, is going to play lacrosse as well for Navy this season. So a couple of interesting stories there. All right. Stan, you'll be on not with Zach, but with, Paul and Ryan Paul, tomorrow. Paul and Ryan tomorrow, uh, somewhere around 10.20, 10.25. Make sure you tuned in for the bat around from 10 to noon. They'll be talking baseball with you. And then, of course, you said Monday
2: night with Eve Rosenbaum. Ross Grimsey and I will welcome Eve Rosenbaum. Next Thursday, we will welcome in uh, Jim Ferry, the head coach of UMBC basketball, men's basketball. And uh, on the website right now is our interview last night, With Baltimore Sports Collectibles, Danny
0: Black. Always appreciate you coming in here on a Friday, despite the fact that you had to to survive with no phone and uh, a computer that was giving you frustration. Appreciate you coming in and hanging out
2: this morning. Love doing it. Love doing it. At
0: StanTheFan on Twitter. Zach, you're on Twitter. I am. uh, ZGoodman20. Give Zach a follow there. Appreciate you coming in and hanging out with us this morning. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Thanks today to uh, Ken Rogers and Jason Weber, and also, thanks, Darren O'Day. If you missed that, it was an awful lot of fun catching up uh, with Darren I, O'Day this morning. I
2: thought Ken Rogers singing "The Gambler" was just—it was beautiful, little, right? <laughs> really amazing oh no, that,
9: that, did, that Ken Rogers. I asked was him if away. he would do
0: "Islands in the Stream," but he was like, "I haven't, I haven't done it in years. I think I maybe <laughs> pass on that," which is a shame because I've been working on my dolly for a long, long time. Mm. And I thought that was going to be a beautiful moment. Um, yeah, that was fun. So, if you missed any of those, we'll get them up in the greatest hits today. We'll be back on Monday. I think that's about all I got for you this week. Oh, uh, Reed and I are back on the fan starting this Sunday. So this is the first show back 1 to 4 on Sunday afternoon. Come join us there. Uh, Marvin Lewis is going to join us on Sunday ahead of the uh, 30 for 30 airing on Sunday night. All right, good stuff. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including... Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costa Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Great 8's memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialist, UMBC Athletics, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks still to Griffin at Griffin Bass on Twitter. Follow us Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Duke sucks.